0: Welcome to the Jonathan Shuttlesworth Podcast. To stay connected, go to RevivalToday.com. And now, here is Evangelist Jonathan.
1: Welcome to Nashville, Tennessee. Jonathan Shuttlesworth joined with my great friend, Pastor Bob Rob- Roberts. Rogers, sorry, I don't know where I got Roberts from. Because you were telling Ro- me about it's Roy Richard Roy
2: Rogers. Ro- I'm Roy Rogers.
1: And uh, we're glad to be with you. This is the 80th National Religious Broadcasters Convention Uh, At the Grand Grand Ole Opryland Hotel,
2: which is a massive, one of the biggest hotels in the country, huh? It is, and it's one of the nicest hotels. And this hosts the National Religious Broadcasters. And I tell you, if they're on radio, television, or in the media, they're probably here.
1: Yeah, so we have a big convention center surrounding us. I have no friends here, but Pastor Bob has a bunch, so when he sees people that walk by... We're going to get him an interview. And we have Chris Ann Hall, constitutional attorney, dropping by at 1115. And we're just going to have fun. And if you don't know Pastor Bob Rogers, shame on you. He's one of the greatest guys there is, full of awesome stories. His church is where Pastor Rodney came when he first came to America. And they helped him get set up and and stay in basis ministry out of Louisville. And then since then, he's helped a ton of preachers, including me. A lot of people in the ministry are opportunists. They, they're close to you when you're doing well, and then if you're not doing well, you don't see them anymore. Pastor Bob's the opposite. It's like if you're doing well, you don't see him, and then if you need help, he'll come and find you. Uh, I remember during—actually, let me just get this out of the way. February 2020 was the last time I was here at, the, at this National Religious Broadcasters thing in this hotel, And Pastor Rodney had just come back from Singapore. And he said, they're gonna lock everything down. He's like, we just came back, they were taking our temperatures, they were putting limits on how many people you could have. He said, they're gonna shut everything down in America. I said, Pastor Rodney, this isn't Asia. That will never fly here. I said, they can't even constitutionally do that. He said, I'm telling you, they're gonna lock everything down. I said, no. He said, we were at dinner. It was me and Dallas, him and Pastor Donica. He said, what are you gonna do when they restrict travel? I said, let me tell you something. I'm going to live exactly how I was living my whole life, regardless of what they do. Well, it turns out I was wrong and he was right. And obviously we kept traveling. And I remember you called me in the beginning of it to get, you know, you'd saw me in the news and stuff and wanted to know what I was doing. And then you called me in May and said, you want to come preach? May of 2020, when churches weren't open and Pastor Bob was in Kentucky, which was a blue lockdown state. I said, "I I thought they're not allowing meetings there. Pastor Bob's words were, Buddy, I'm done. I'm having church. And we had one of the, my favorite meeting of all the times I preached there. And it was great. Uh, Tell me why. Let me ask you a question. Do you help preachers because nobody helped you when you were starting out? Or do you help preachers because somebody helped you when you were starting out and it touched you and you wanted to do that? What gave you the idea to go look for the, like be the Statue of Liberty of the ministry, looking for the tired, poor, huddled masses and help them out?
2: Well, actually, the hardest thing in the ministry is to get started. Yes. And uh, there has to be doors of opportunity. And so over the years, you know, you've noticed a call of God on people's lives, and you are to facilitate that call. Uh, this past Sunday night, I took, a, I had what is called a, a tag team sermon. And I took uh, three people that had a call of God on their life. And I gave them uh, uh, letters and a word to preach. Well, one of them didn't show up. What? And so I, I went, and got somebody else and I said, I want you to. And then the guy showed up. So I was using the, the acrostic son S.O.N. And so I had to change it to soon for, but it gives them an opportunity. And once a, a, a person senses the presence of God, your life's never the same and you get up and you begin to share and God begins to use you it's a great opportunity and so if you have a call of God on your life uh, that call has to be it has to be watered it has to be uh, you have to be around people that can give you the opportunity to go into the ministry and this is why it's such an important thing to be a friend uh, with Jonathan Shuttlesworth Uh, they don't raise up a lot of preachers out of the university of kentucky for instance they raise up a lot of basketball players but not preachers preachers come out of bible schools if a, a girl wants to be in the ministry they need to find a husband who wants to be in the ministry and those husbands are at places that teach you the word of god and so i want to encourage many of you that have any kind of call of god in your life And say you're not even sure if God's called you, but you're available if He is. You need to take one year and go to a Bible school. Uh, Brother Jonathan Shuttlesworth asked one of the great Bible schools. You can go there. You can learn the Word of God. And then if you, at that time, don't feel like maybe it's a full-time position for you, you can go to... University, you can be a teacher, you can be a doctor, you could be anything you want, but that word of God that you went will always be useful in your life, and uh, so that's why I appreciate the great work you're doing. Oh, that's that's very kind of you. Tell me,
1: I know you're a preacher's kid like me, who was the when you started off in evangelism? That's like the punt returner of the body of Christ, it's all you. Who was the first? Guy, I know this isn't show business, but gave you your first break, or uh, believed in you.
2: Well, I remember uh, my dad called me in, and he said, "Bob, he said, um, you know, I, I feel like I need to build this and do that. And I'm going to have to cut back in my my uh, my expenses, and I'm going to have to lay some people off. And um, if I keep you as my son," And I lay these other guys off. It'll be called nepotism. So I'm going to have to lay you off first. You're the first one to lay off. How old were you? I was, uh, I had pastored. I probably was 26, 27 years old. And I had a little a girl, Rachel, was born. And so I came home. I told Margaret, I said, my dad let me go. She said, what are we going to do? I said, well, that's, that's, God, that's when God called me to evangelism. You, you were married how long? Uh, I'd been married probably uh, four or five years. May- I might have been thirty years old. I had pastored five years, then I'd come up and work with my dad. You know, and don't don't you think um, not to cut you
1: off during your own interview like we're on TBN, but don't you don't you think that uh, when that stuff happens to you when you're in your twenties, it's the most devastating thing. But then when you look back on it, like you would have, it's almost like god probably had to send you out from being under your dad to come back to be strong enough to be a senior pastor and not be like a uh
2: wet oh exactly the fact is we took off for texas and uh when i got to to, um i got to tyler texas and i called this guy was in waco and i said listen i'm on my way he said oh bob i've been trying to get a hold of you i'm gonna have to cancel the meeting Man, I was—I had thirty dollars in my pocket. That's all. And so I had a friend in Tyler. Real quick,
1: what's with people? You know, when a guy does that, you have to have no either no brain or no heart. You know, obviously, you know somebody in their twenties isn't independently wealthy. You
2: know, they're traveling as evangelists. How do you just tell them? Hey, I know you drove all the way to Texas. Tough luck. Yeah. And so, I went to my friend, and I said he had one bedroom apartment. It was me, my wife, and this little, our little baby. So he put us on the couch. He put us on the couch. And uh, during that time, during that time, we started, we started, I I, I began to be attacked by demons. I said, Martin, look, these demons are biting me. But it turned out it was fleas. They had a dog. (laughs) I stayed at one of those guys. And so anyway, we got, so I got this little meeting in Palestine, Texas. I'll never forget it. I'm there in Palestine and I'm praying and God speaks to me, Jonathan, and he said, why are you mad at me? I said, God, I'm not mad at you. He said, yeah, you are. I said, no, I'm mad at my dad. My dad fired me and I was the hardest working guy he had and God said, no, he just did what I told him to do. There are certain things in your life you've never been able to accomplish if you don't learn now and learn to trust me. And that's exactly right. Oh, I called Dad, and I said, Dad, I want you to forgive me. I've been mad at you. He started crying. Oh? Yeah, and I started crying. And my dad and I were the best friends. I mean, we were always real close after that. But he did what God, he said, Bob, I just did what God told me to do because I know God's got a great plan. Anyway, so you learn things out on your own that you don't learn when you're working with your dad or other people. That's right. It puts a strength. You know, there's no corporate credit
1: card, right? It, it it puts a different strength. It's it's very different not
2: working for somebody and having to g- generate everything yourself. You know, we went to a place one time, and they put us in a, a Days Inn. Well, there's no restaurants in the Days Inn, and so uh, he said, "Look, you know, you just pay your own expenses, and uh, you know, at the end we'll settle up with." You. Well, we didn't have any money, right? And so all I, I got my golf bag and I had some change and I had like three bucks and I bought some food for Rachel. She was just a little girl. But we fasted. And so I said, well, maybe we'll sell some books and stuff. We didn't sell nothing. So this lady comes and she brings a jar of soup. It was a pint jar, not a quart jar, a pint mason jar of soup. She said, I, I just felt like, you know, my life. So we ate it we ate it the second day we ate it the third day it never ran out wow i'm telling you it was the miracle of multiplication i said margaret look we still got soup we ate we ate it again we ate it three days and then we got paid and we ran out of soup don't you think looking back on it
1: that there's like a work of the devil when you start off in evangelist ministry in general but evangelism in particular to like choke out your money to get you to quit and you got to break
2: through that? You know, Jonathan, there's, a, there's the same door is for you, for me, for every person who goes into the ministry. And that's the door of trusting God for finances. One of the major reasons that people who have a call of God, who are more talented than me or you, don't go into the ministry, they can't get past that door, I've got to trust God to provide for me. But if you can get past that door, if you can go through that door, and you can see the provision of God, then you can trust God for millions and millions of dollars. You have to trust God now for tens of millions of dollars. I have to trust God for tens of millions of dollars. Did you ever think the day would come where somebody gave you a million dollars, or just like, well, that's nice, that'll keep me going yeah. for another month. Yeah. Month. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, I, I used to <laughs> want to be a millionaire. We were so poor. If I could be a millionaire, God said, quit that. says, I, I want you to give a million. And, and, and I know you gave that $1 million check. That's what I'm praying to do. But I have given millions of dollars over Don't the feel years. bad. It bounced. It
1: bounced. Yeah, there you I go. I a federal hearing.
2: <laughs> Let me ask you this. When did,
1: because I think anybody can, re- maybe not, when did you feel it break? on the evangelistic field where you turn the corner financially where you you and your wife were like you know what like I, I know mine mine was 2011 I had a meeting in Dillsburg Pennsylvania it went 3 weeks the biggest offering I'd ever had was 9 grand 42,000 came in and it like is like we finally broke it. it took me 10 years but that was the time it never went back from there when was when was it where you broke it where you weren't eating a, a mason jar of soup for 3 days and needing a
2: miracle where like you you whoop the devil in that area. I was uh, preaching up in Ohio, and uh, I went to preach for this place. And I was, uh, I remember, you know, my money was so bad, you know. You just prayed to get out of the, a town to yeah. another place. And I remember God spoke to me. I stopped at a, a revival meeting. Uh, another guy was preaching, and God, uh, this guy was taking an offering, and I had a twenty dollar bill and a fifty dollar bill. And this, uh, this man just said, I-, I want you to give your best. So what's your best? If you've got a $1 bill or a $5 bill, what's your best? If you got a 5 and a 10, what's your best? Well, I had a 20 and a 50. But man, I, that's all I had. And so I pulled out the 20, and he said, You know, there's a young man here that's got a $20 bill and a $50 bill. If you give your best, God will give you back in three days. But three days later, I picked up a hitchhiker. Before he got out, he said, "I'm supposed to give you something." He gave me fifty dollars. That meeting was. The hitchhiker the, gave you money. The fifty I, He gave me fifty dollars. I mean, that's. A, I've never I heard of that. I wasn't sure if he was an angel or not, but I went to this this little church, and it broke. And it, it did after, at when I did that, it broke, and God began to bless me.
1: It's interesting how many things money. It, it took me probably till about two years ago to realize. Like I always thought, money was connected to money, faith was connected to faith. But money, it's like it's like when you give God your heart in that area, it, it breaks a lot of things open. For example, I was telling um, my, the the airplane pilot that we flew with, because when we went back to the plane in Phoenix, Arizona, I had a rifle with me and I didn't have one with me when I came. So he said, "Where'd you get? Where'd you get that?" I said, this kid came up in in the line, 23 years old, in Arizona. And he said he had tears in his eyes. 23-year-old with a mullet, looked like a a hunter. He said, the Lord spoke to me to give your wife my best hunting rifle. It's a three-zero-eight with a Swarovski scope. And so then we were in Las Vegas three weeks later, last week. And he's in that meeting, four and a half hours north, with his mother with him this time. He goes, you got to listen to me. In the three weeks since I gave that, I've had two nicer rifles given to me, like in, in like disbelief. And this time he had his mother with, with him. So you think, not only did he get the harvest on that rifle, he's driving to church as a 23-year-old, five hours away, bringing people with him now. It really does affect everything, huh?
2: Well, it really does. And, and you know, in the Bible, there's a story of David. He committed adultery, a terrible sin. God forgave him. God said, you're a man after my own heart. But then Ananias and Sapphira stole the money and God killed them. Now you think about that just a moment. The money, the money, it all belongs to God. But man has a mentality of poverty, the church. People that are listening to me right now have this poverty mentality. And honestly, it goes back to Thomas Aquinas in the 1500s. Now, that was before there was only one church, the Catholic Church. There wasn't a Protestant church, and Thomas Aquinas, he wrote most of the theology that we have today. He was a brilliant man. He came out of a a Bill Gates type family, just multiple, very wealthy. But he had he preached against money, and he got the church to make the take a, a vow of poverty. Well, about a hundred years later, here comes this guy Martin Luther. And Martin Luther was uh, translating the Bible into German, and Germany at that time was the poorest of the poor. It'd be like the slums of your town. That was the Germany of Europe. And so he's translating this into German, and he says, wait a minute. The Bible didn't talk about being poor. The Bible talks about being blessed. So after he uh, translated it, he wrote 600 more books. And the first book he wrote was against Thomas Aquinas, and it was called Why God Wants Christians to be Rich. And it was based on Deuteronomy 8.18 that God gives you power to make wealth for the establishment of the covenant. Then he wrote 95 more books against poverty and uh, uh, embracing and coming against... He he was big on 95. Huh? Yeah, he was. but, But the thing of it is... It caused a split in the church. Now there were other reasons, but the major reason the split between the Protestant and the Catholic Church was over money. That's right. It was over money. It listen, it was it was finances. What splits churches is not doctrine, it's money. It's it's about money. So he began to preach God would prosper you, that God would set you free. And consequently today, what is the wealthiest country in Europe? It's Germany. The fact is they are the fourth greatest producers of millionaires and wealth in the world. Wow. It's still there because he taught. So now the big fight in churches today is over money. That's right. And people think poor. They think a poverty mentality. And so I'm fasting 21 days. And at the end of that day, at that time, I want to plant a seed. And, and I'm praying, God, what am I doing? And God spoke to me and said, can you believe me that I'll bless you a thousand times more? Deuteronomy 8, 8, 8, uh, uh, 111. And the Lord shall bless you a thousand times more. So I told Margaret, I said, Margaret, do you believe God could bless us a thousand times more? God's given me that. I said, if we can get our arms around that, it'll change everything. We begin to proclaim it believe it. And I'm going to tell you, miracles begin to happen. I believe it. And don't get wrapped up in this poverty stuff. Listen, it's not that we want money just from Money's a tool. That's all it is. It's not bad. It's not good. It's what you use it for. Amen?
1: Amen. One of the best messages I ever heard on money was the one you preached for Dr. Morocco the last time he had you speak. You remember that? I think it was a Sunday night. He preached on the financial blessing, a whole message on it. It was excellent. Guys, queue up. Speaking of money, if you would, grab the clip, if you don't already have it, of Kevin O'Leary, both of them. The first one when he's on Fox Business and the second one when he's on CNN. I want to watch that with, with Pastor Bob because he's not pro-Trump. He's a Canadian, but he's talking about how they're going to pull all the money out of New York because of what they did with Trump. And then I'm just, let's just talk. Like, we end up talking for about four hours anyway after we're done preaching. Why not not just do it on mic? Then if we see anybody interesting, we're going to pull them in as guests. We have constitutional attorney Chris Ann Hall that's going to join us and talk about the election at around 11.15, coming right up. And uh, if we see anybody interesting, we're going to, just let me know when you have it. We're going to pull them in. I haven't seen anyone interesting. I've been watching the convention floor. People look like they have the personality of sad uh, Most of the people look like they didn't turn the lights on today when they put their outfit on. But eventually somebody's going to come through that Pastor Bob knows. He has more friends than me. And we can talk TV. If you can find, if anybody from uh, my, our friends at Real America's Voice is willing to come over, I'd love to talk about that network. My friend Andre Raybert from DirecTV that we're on his channel, he's over um, this way from here if he's willing to sit down. Just let them know. It's not going to be an ambush interview. We just want to talk friendly. Go
2: ahead. You know, uh, Jonathan, tonight you're going to be ministering at the Sheridan Hotel. Correct. And uh, it's located here in Nashville. And if you are living uh, in a 100, 200-mile radius, you still have time to come and be a part of those meetings. What time do they start? 7
1: o'clock Central Time, me and Pastor Rodney. Actually, they'll run the promo right now. Here's both of us as Elvis.
2: We're caught in a
3: trap, I can't walk out,
0: because I love you too much baby, why can't you
2: see, what you're doing
1: So there you go, and you're welcome. That's free to attend tonight at the Sheraton uh, downtown in Nashville, Tennessee. We have a very special guest joining us from the floor. Again, if you're just tuning in, there it is. It's called, uh, we wanted to give it a catchy title, Rodney and Jonathan's Gospel Nashville Honky Tonk America at the Sheraton Grand Nashville downtown, 623 Union Street, Nashville, Tennessee, 37219. How do you like that name? Rodney and Jonathan's Gospel Nashville Honky Tonk America. Sheraton Grand, uh, Nashville, downtown, 623 Union Street, Nashville, Tennessee. It is free, but you need to register, RevivalToday.com. We have right around 1,000 people registered right now, and we only announced it two and a half days ago, so I'm pretty happy. Joining us is Felicia. Pronounce your last name for me. UC. UC. And then I I guess I've met met you before in, in church, but you told me a pretty great testimony. So, a lot of people, a lot I'm noticing, have children that are born that that are born with trouble and need a healing. So to hear a testimony like the one you're about to hear, I'm sure is going to help you. Thanks for joining us. Tell us about uh, what happened with your daughter.
4: Okay, so she was born, um, and she would make really weird faces at people when we would come up to her. I thought that she, maybe she just had some kind of. I don't know just had a bad attitude right but she was turned one and they diagnosed her with a very bad stigmatism and legally blind in both eyes
1: and and really 20 2500 or 20 uh,
4: 2500 in one eye and 2450 in the other
1: yeah that that's about she as...
4: had to wear glasses to get out of bed at night to go to the bathroom yes yes
1: i've only the highest i ever heard of was 2400 and that i think that's legally blind so that's t- that's uh five times that go ahead
4: so um you know we've always prayed for her eyes and that god would strengthen them and believe god by faith for those things and then 2018 i believe it's 2018 it was the first time you came to evangel and we were having the fast and we joined in um, with pastor bob and them during the fast and we went to what a, year you
1: said Twenty what? i
4: think it's 2018 yeah you were still back at uh champion center
1: i was still wearing 38 size suits <laughs> continue
4: and so um it was just a regular faith-based message you had that night and the next day we had a regular checkup um at the eye doctor before this she was having these headaches and um we couldn't figure out why, so that's why she had the eye-doctor appointment. And uh, so we went in for the eye-doctor uh, appointment, and the doctor said, well, the reason why she's having headaches is she doesn't need these glasses anymore. And she could wow. see. She saw 2025 and then 2020.
1: 2025 and 2020? 2020, <laughs> she could fly planes. <laughs> you know, I wish you would have told me this sooner. I've had the lowest self-esteem. Basically I have quit <laughs> praying for the sick because I never hear any customers. <laughs>
2: Thanks that that is awesome. Yes. What a great mom to have your daughter in church. And- you know, God has a call on her now. Her name's Emma and she wants to go into the ministry. I think
3: she you, follows me on Instagram. Yes, or she does. Emma. She Bu- fa-
4: yes. Busey. She watches everything you guys have. Every night she tunes in. She doesn't miss and she's read your books. She's on her newest one right now.
1: 35 questions yes. for people that hate the prosperity gospel. <laughs> you know, that's my newest book. Yep. What is it? 35 questions for people who hate the prosperity gospel oh. that you can't answer. Uh, yeah, yes. you raised a great daughter. Well, I'm glad she said possibly to ORU. Yes. Uh,
4: she said she's open to a revival today.
1: <laughs> oh, she wants to field office. I told her
4: I'd talk to you about her.
1: Why? Well, we'd, we'd love to have her.
2: You know, you know, I, I really feel... Uh, 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 Felicia's got a real anointing to pray for people. Let's do it. I want you to pray for people who are, uh, and you were healed of MS as well. Yes. Really? Yeah. Yes. Tell me how you got In
4: 2011, I was diagnosed with MS. Um, very low knowledge of the Word of God to have faith to believe God for healing. And um, I just started getting in the Word of God and praying. I got into every service I could get my uh, self into and have let, hands laid on me, but just declaring the Word of God and believing God's Word, God began to heal me over a course of a year and a half. And um, they told me I would never run again. I would never be able to do normal things of other people. I was very severely affected by it and um, I was trouble walking around. but I hid it very well. I didn't you know you kind of don't want people to judge you or whatever. But uh, God, you healed me. I, I'm still running, still doing everything. No, yeah, you, you I can mean, tell you're doing great. it's been since 2011, and you know, look at me. I just—it's a testimony of God's goodness.
1: That is awesome. Thank you for sharing your testimony. You want to pray for any mothers that are on?
4: Yes. You know, anybody who is facing a battle of sickness and disease—that's not from God. God didn't put it on you.
1: How do you know that?
4: Because, because you used to not know that. I so used to not know what that. I used you? to believe, oh, God, heal me. You know, I want it, but I didn't know if He would give it to me.
1: Right. So, what changed? How do you know now? The
4: Word changed
1: me. Who t- who, what did you find in the Word that changed it?
4: That by His stripes we were healed. That He in Himself bore our sicknesses, He carried them in, in His body, Jesus. And that He promised in His Word, even back in the Old Testament, in Jeremiah 30, 17. I'll restore health back to you and heal you of your wounds. So, you know, if you get the word of God in you, you know what his promises are. And this says that they're yes and amen to you.
1: That is awesome. Well, go ahead and pray. Before so, you pray, yeah. see that guy in the sport coat? Uh, he's a bigger guy, reddish hair. He's by Troy Brewer's booth, blue shirt. His name's Brian Bolt. Tell him to come over. Tell, tell him. I, I'd like him to go over. And, and, you know,
2: there's there's some guys here from Russia. Yeah. And their uh, dad, uh, their grandfather, was in uh, Siberia. And uh, preachers. And they preach they're, in yeah, Siberia? they're, they're going to they're share as well. Oh,
1: that's great. Yeah, let's get, let's keep the train going. All right, if you're a mother and you're watching and your child needs needs help, you're believing for healing, just lift your hands and receive.
4: Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I believe that by your stripes we were healed. God, we don't have to beg you. We don't have to plead our case before you, but God, healing is the children's bread. And God, we declare healing over everyone listening, everyone watching right now in the name of Jesus. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, faith would arise in them to believe for their miracle, to believe that you are God, Jehovah, Rapha, our healer. Right now, in Jesus' name, be made whole. God, touch every child. God, every child that has an affliction, every child that is facing uh, the same thing Emma did, that can't see, those that, right now, those that need healing in their eyes, we declare it over them in the name of Jesus. Be made whole.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you, Felicia, for sharing your testimony and praying.
4: Thank you. It's nice to That's you.
1: Felicia Busey. And now joining us is my friend who I haven't seen mm, in over 10 years, maybe. Pastor Brian Bolt, who pastors now in California. They're going to get him hooked up. So we're kind of running this like radio row in, uh, for Super Bowl week. And then after him, constitutional attorney and friend, best friend of our program, Chris Ann Hall. Well, great to see you. Go, go ahead. Here, grab that mic. Get him set up. Thank you. Good, good, Hey, Pastor Brian Bolt Pastor Bob Rogers. God bless you. Tell me where you're from originally. I'm originally from Cumberland, Maryland. And then did you spend time in Pittsburgh before you ministered? I did, yes. Love Pittsburgh. Where were you where were you like where in Pittsburgh? In the city, North Side. Northside. And then you've been pastoring for twenty years?
3: Yeah. Twenty years. You're in California now. Whittier, California, just kind of in between Anaheim and downtown Los Angeles.
1: With the church that's doing great. It, I've seen it on Instagram. So Revival
3: is happening in California, and there is a remnant there, and it is amazing what God's doing in California. Tell me what you're seeing. Well, we just started a woman's center there where the, the country is coming to California to have abortion, but God really gave me a word and said, you know what, give, give another option. And so we just started this and we're seeing we're seeing babies saved. We're seeing a revival with just there's a hunger for God. And even in the midst of all the darkness and all the crazy political ideology, there is a hunger for God in California. Yes. And it's amazing. And there's so many different nationalities of the world there from uh, people from South America, Central America, Africa, all over. And it's it is amazing what God is doing.
1: Speaking of Africa, you just
3: returned from there. Yeah, I was. We did a crusade in Uganda. Not long ago, right? Two weeks. No, nah, it was in the summer. We did it. We just got back from Indonesia. Indonesia. I knew you. Were, so tell yeah. me about Indonesia. Man, miracles. There's 241 million Muslims in Indonesia. Yes. And it is absolutely. We saw Muslims get saved. There was a. We prayed for this guy, and he he had just white eye, and he had no pupil, no nothing. And I prayed for him. And next thing you know, when I lifted my hands off, the pupil started for me. He was blind in that eye. And it, his pupil came back and he started to see. I, I never seen so many miracles all at once like Indonesia. Indonesia is ripe for the gospel. What do you think contributed to that, that there being that many miracles among the Muslim people? There's a hunger. They want the real thing, you know, that the, the Hindus, the Muslims, I was in India and then in Indonesia and there, it's not real. And so, you know, it's a false God. It's a it's a, it's a d- demonic spirit. And it's amazing when you bring the true Jesus there and they see the power, miracles, signs, and wonders, the power of God. I'm not measuring your ministry, just out of curiosity. How how many people at the crusade? We've had different ranges. We had like 30,000 in Honduras. Then we had... No, in, uh, in Indonesia. Indonesia, this was just a prep trip. But we're going back in March, May. We're just ministering to churches and people there, but in May we're doing a big crusade. It'll probably only be about 15,000 there in the stadium. That's a lot of people.
1: It's a good no, I stuff. know.
3: Yeah, I had a. I was in preaching in Reno,
1: Nevada. I had 138. 138, so I'm not... I just. I was curious how many came out
3: because you don't hear a lot of crusades out there. Not in Indonesia, and in India you really can't even do it because it's illegal to preach now. India really needs... The Hindu government trying to wipe out Christianity there.
1: Oh yeah, Michael W. Smith got his, his uh, visa denied. Franklin Graham,
3: they want to give him a visa. It's hard to get a visa. And it in used Indy. to be easy to get into India. It was like the easiest place to go do a cruise. No, not anymore. Not anymore.
1: I'm glad to you're see you. You're killing it
3: in Pittsburgh. I, I got to tell you, I watch what you're doing. I am I am amazed what God is using you to do in Pittsburgh and then in Texas. And it's absolutely phenomenal. I'm a big fan. So, Well,
1: LA's is no, nowhere near uh, Whittier. But I'm going to come back to L.A. for a week at that Sheraton by the airport. So sorry
3: I missed you last time. No, nah, all- but you got to come to my church. We'd love to have you. Appreciate Our, that. We see it 1,000. You you pack it out. You'll love it. I appreciate the, that. Their, their Our mutual fire. friend, Frank
1: Media, will be fine that we finally reconnected. Frank's going to love this. Yeah. We'll have to send him a Frank
3: picture. loves you. I, yeah, I
1: love... He's an easy guy to We call him the love.
3: godfather of Pittsburgh.
1: Yeah, he is that. He's a good guy.
3: I love you. <laughs> love you. Tell me why you're here. Not that you need a reason, but are, are, what are you doing at the NRB? We're connecting with a bunch of different things. So we, have, we started a TV ministry last year, and so we're kind of just connecting with people we're already in relationship with and then building some new relationships.
1: If people want to watch you on TV, where can they find you? They can find us on
3: Faith TV. They can find us on Pray.com.
1: Faith fi- TV with Andre Rabert on uh, DirecTV?
3: Yeah. I'm on there, too. Yeah. And Pray you got to get on Pray.com. Pray.com. Yeah. There, We had 84,000 downloads a couple Sundays ago on Pray.com. Wow. I'll look it up. I didn't know anything about it. They're the big sponsor of NRB this week. They, oh, so they're doing great. Dude, I want to connect you to them because they are, they're killing it.
1: If they'll come over, send them over. I want to do all my talking on air. I'm going to stay here until 2 p.m. So if anyone's there, I would love to, I'm interested. Done. All right. I'll make it happen. Love you,
3: Pastor. Love you. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. God bless. Pastor Brian Bolt, everybody. And now, joining the program, one of the top attorneys on planet Earth that actually cares about people. There's two. There's two good attorneys left, Harmeet Dillon and the one you're about to meet right now, Chris Hall. This lady kept more preachers out of jail during the lockdown and, and did it uh, of her own expense. So a warm hand clap in your house. For Attorney Chris Ann Hall. Thanks for joining us.
5: Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm I'm, I I told McGallus that I was a little bit nervous. So why
1: would you be nervous? It's not it's not an ambush interview.
5: Because you're so awesome.
1: Oh, that's that's very kind. It just
5: makes me nervous to be around awesome people.
1: That's Pastor Bob Rogers, Louisville, Kentucky.
5: Nice to meet you.
1: So tell me. um, Okay, I'm not gonna do this like a normal interview because we're friends. So
5: yeah, yeah, that's cool.
1: I'm interested in how it seems like there's this move, like we started to talk about by text message, uh-huh. of churches, of states, decoupling from the federal government. Like Utah, Woo-hoo. which is what, what's good, yes. which is how America was originally supposed exactly, to be. Exactly. So, you know, you hear all this news, and a conservative seem to fall for it very easily, that yeah. they're, they're getting ready to do this in Washington, D.C. But really, if you're going to take America over, if, if people will stand up, you have to take over 4,000-plus counties at a time. Right. Explain that to people, how we're not top-down, we're bottom-up.
5: Yeah, so we, like you said, we are bottom-up. One of the crazy things is when you study the history and you look, the, look at the chronological forming of these United States... It's ludicrous to believe that the federal government is the higher power and the states are the lower power for several reasons. First, the states existed first. The states existed. uh, The states stopped being colonies on July 2nd, 1776. Little interesting fact, our Independence Day is actually July 2nd. It's not July 4th. Right. Um, And then we formed a union in 1777 through the Articles of Confederation. And the Articles of Confederation really made it clear that the states were to remain sovereign countries. So we created what, and I know this is like a a, a trigger word these days, but it's an actual word that means something. Imagine that. They don't want to take the meaning away. We are a confederation of states, not a consolidation of states. Right. So we came together in a mutual friendship agreement for the mutual benefit of the states to work together for the common defense, for their mutual benefit, for all of those things, right? And so the states created the federal government, not the other way around. Right. So when the Articles of Confederation— Whereas in
1: other countries, it is the other way around. They were their right. country, and then they broke it up into, like, municipalities. Right, because but you th- had th- kingdom. This was, like, independent countries— Right. that decided to, to um, be friends, but not, yeah. not one,
5: right. in a way. Right. No, that's exactly right. Uh, we have an understanding. If you read the Declaration of Independence, which is really cool, you see that the word state is something that we've lost attachment to in America. The Declaration of Independence says that these united colonies are, and by right ought to be, Independent, What are these guys, like Jewish states. traffic
1: guards? Which was the fluorescent- <laughs> I've never seen somebody wearing a traffic crossing guard and a yarmulke. Anyway, continue. They- oh, sorry. no.
5: Okay, so they actually have a booth where they have, like, this little Jewish three-wheel buggy thing where they're Jewish safety people. I, I don't even know what they're well, have to is. Them, I well there,
1: We'd have to get them on. If, if, I know you can't see, but if you two guys just walk <laughs> by on the floor with fluorescent construction worker jackets on and yarmulkes. And they have I, I've never seen on a Jewish them. construction union. Local Union Brooklyn 101. Yeah. Continue.
5: So, anyway, the, the Declaration of Independence says that our colonies are by right states and that they have all the power, and this is the key, of the state of Great Britain. So you see that word state means country. Yes. It literally means free and independent country. So our free and independent countries came together, created a union, which then through that union created a contract to create the federal government. So the federal government is a creation of the states where the states delegated a portion of their power to the federal government For the single purpose of representing the states in foreign affairs. Right. They are supposed to, the federal government is supposed to be leaving the states alone in their individual capacity to govern themselves.
1: That's awesome. And they don't want people to know that. No. I don't think most of the governors knew it going into the lockdown. And then it was almost like during the lockdown, governors found out they're actually very powerful. It's probably an upgrade from being senator or... Or uh, House of Rep, right? No,
5: you're absolutely right. Uh, it's we started on this what I call this federal supremacist movement in 1830, actually. So, in 18, 18- so it's not our fault. <laughs> no, it's not our fault. In 1830, the leaders of the federal government didn't want the states to exercise control over the federal government anymore. They knew that if they came down with some kind of edict, that would have been the end of the Union, that would have been a big revolution, everybody would have broke off. So what they did was they contracted with a Supreme Court justice by the name of Joseph Story to write an entire new textbook on how the Constitution is to be taught how the states and the federal government work together and they created this doctrine of what i call federal supremacy and judicial supremacy the whole idea that the supreme court is the ultimate ruler of the universe and the federal government's the higher power and the states are the lower power in that teaching is the most dangerous political doctrine that has happened to america it's the re writing without rewriting of Article 6, Clause 2 of the Constitution, what we usually call the Supremacy Clause. So they've been teaching all this time that the Supremacy Clause means that federal laws and federal government are supreme to state laws, state government, and state constitution whenever they conflict. That is an absolute lie. And you can know that it's a lie by just simply reading Article 6, Clause 2, but tied in with that misteaching, misinformation, was also a bullying doctrine teaching the American people you're too dumb to read the Constitution yourself. You have to be a lawyer, a judge, or a politician to understand the Constitution. Don't even try. So people hear this, the Supremacy Clause. It makes the federal government supreme. And then they don't even go read it and realize it does the exact opposite.
6: It been,
1: has it been challenged in court?
5: Well, no, because we teach in the law schools the wrong meaning of the supremacy clause.
1: So nobody, everybody, just thinks you have to accept it.
5: Yeah, because but you have if federal push comes to and- shove,
1: so you think like the governor of Utah, and people are saying, I think if push comes to shove, we can use this to challenge the federal government and run our own state.
5: Jonathan, I am begging any attorney general of any state to bring me on a team and make this argument before the Supreme Court. I will do it for absolute free. I will mortgage my house if I have to, to make this argument before the Supreme Court of the United States, because I am absolutely convinced I can make this argument. And if they do not see the truth of this argument, we will be on complete an undeniable notice that the Supreme Court is unrecoverable and we need to find a new way to See, handle th- That's our a
1: respectable thing to mortgage your home for. Unlike Adalis, who mortgaged our home, that Patrick Mahomes would get over 250 passing yards in the Super Bowl, <laughs> and now we're staying in a Holiday Inn Express. <laughs> um,
5: but that makes you smarter staying in a Holiday Inn Express, doesn't it?
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, really? We, Pastor Bob and I were talking about this on the way over. Even when push comes to shove how how is the federal government unless they're going to send the military in on a state you know if you're if the local sheriff and and state police and then then you have the national guard if they're not going to side with the federal government in a state even if there was a ruling like like if a state but like what Abbott kind of called their bluff on I know Abbott's not your favorite as he's not mine but when he made his move on the border and went against Biden they Biden had to back down huh? because you can't without unless you're going to turn your military on one of your states, which would be over for you politically.
5: Well, I don't know if you know this. I actually sat down with Abbott when he was the attorney general and spoke to him about all of these issues, about how the states are the higher power and the states have a responsibility to be a check and balance on their creation, the federal government. And he looked me in the face and said, you don't know what you're talking about chris ann uh you're you're teaching you're saying stuff that's absolutely not true what the ever the federal government says we have to comply because that's how the constitution works don't you know about the supremacy clause and i was like all right whatever but what's really interesting jonathan is that governments have been standing up to the federal government for decades this is not something new but the media and the politicians will not talk about it because it's actually the right way it's supposed to work.
1: And they want it centralized because it's easier to take a country yes. over. Like and Europe. They just meet with Klaus Schwab, come back and say no one's allowed to grow beef anymore right. and no one can. But here...
5: They actually have to conquer 50 separate countries to take over America. And, they and can't then even in, in the country,
1: it's like, like you found out during the lockdowns. Even if the Pennsylvania governor and legislature say we're going to enforce the lockdown. But then you have a county where the, the sheriff, sheriff right? or like New Mexico, in, in in eastern New Mexico. No, we're not doing it. No one's going to enforce that right? here. So you almost have to do it county by county.
5: Well, and that's part of what we do. You know, I have my documentary that teaches about the sheriff, the authority of the <laughs> tell, sheriff.
1: Tell the people that are watching.
5: Oh, yeah. So I have, I don't know where I'm supposed to look. <laughs> I have Two documentaries that I get to call award-winning documentaries now because we award we won awards at the content film festival in Fort Worth in September. Way to go. And both of the documentaries can be found at noncompliantmovie.com. The first documentary is called Noncompliant because it's all about the authority of the states to do exactly what we're talking about. To engage in a peaceful noncompliance, to refuse to comply. With federal rules, executive orders, Supreme Court opinions, whatever, that are contrary to the Constitution. Well, from that, we expanded because I have been traveling the country for 14 years now teaching sheriffs. I've taught the sheriffs of all 50 states. Uh,
1: You have now,
7: huh?
5: I have. I haven't taught in... You did that
1: quickly because I...
5: 14 years.
1: Oh, is it 14 years? Well,
5: 10 years probably. Uh, 49 states I've taught in... The representatives from Hawaii, I taught here in the continent. Right. So, and they're not really the same in Hawaii as sheriffs. The Hawaiian constitution is terrible. I'll just throw that out there. Yes. But uh, the second movie is called Noncompliant to the Sheriff, where I take the class that I teach about the sheriffs, and I we put it in a documentary. And what we did was we took two stories from COVID. A pastor who kept his church open during COVID but was arrested by his sheriff. We don't know that guy. And then a pastor who kept his church open and the sheriff defended them against the government to stay open.
1: What state was that?
5: That was uh, that was New Mexico, actually. It's um, Uh, New Hope Revival Church, Pastor.
1: Albuquerque or where? uh,
5: No, Truth or Consequences.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the sheriff
5: sided with them? Yeah, no. Not only sided with him, actually deputized the entire congregation so that he could have special deputy meetings at the church every Sunday, and the governor couldn't say anything about it. Wow. Yeah, so that's what that documentary is all about.
1: That's awesome.
5: Yeah, but it's these are the things that we're teaching. You know, we have a sheriff in that documentary uh, from Elkhart, Indiana, who probably five or six years ago kicked the USDA and the FDA out of his county because you, they were raiding his Amish farmers over raw milk and cheese.
1: So the, the lockdowns worked in retrospect it was good because it woke people up and yeah. then people found out the rights they have and how the country's actually supposed to work right.
5: it's 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 part of the awakening it really is
1: tell me this sounds like an abrasive question why are you here at the NRB because
5: the Lord told me to be here I mean it's just really crazy I was in Michigan I had three classes in Michigan uh, one at a church one at a col- uh two at a college don't two at a church and one at a college. We left New Mexico uh, we went left Michigan on Sunday, came here and I spoke at a film festival here in Dixon, uh, Tennessee. We were supposed to fly out yesterday and you then, and then fly back on Friday because I have two more classes here in Nashville on Saturday. I wanted to go back because I teach at the University uh, River University in Tampa on Wednesday and Friday. I have a law office, all of that, but I just really felt that I had to stay.
1: Oh, that's great.
5: And it's really amazing. This is the first time I've been here, but I have, it's crazy how God works because, you know, I I sort of argued with them. Like, God, I got all these responsibilities. You certainly don't want me to stay here, right? Uh, And everybody at work said, no, we got this. I arranged to do my classes via Zoom. And the minute I changed the plane tickets and got the new hotels and kept the car, I immediately had four interviews with people who didn't even know I was supposed to be here. I yeah, didn't even know I was supposed I, to be I here. I didn't so. know.
1: Tell me, pe- people obviously love you, Christian. If they want to find you and your and your work or your podcast, tell people where they can get more of you?
5: My uh, website is chrisannhall.com, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com. That's the main hub. We have online constitution training for middle school, high school. We're starting a course for the little ones, all the way through anybody. We uh, What I get to do is break the constitution down and show people how simple it is. So we have an education that's simple enough for a sixth grader, but deep enough that I taught a Supreme Court justice from the state of Texas, told me he learned more from me about the Constitution in an hour than he did in his entire legal education. Oh,
1: I believe that. Chris Ann Hall, everybody, I want to thank you for joining me on short oh, notice.
5: Thank you. No, it was my pleasure. Thanks for squeezing me in.
1: Oh, no squeezing All you
5: right. in. <laughs> Love it.
1: <laughs> God bless you. Thanks for everything you do for the body of Christ. That lady kept a lot of people out of jail. Now join it. Who's next in line? Sergi. They have a guest you mind going after him? Good to see him. You, you want to take this one? This is your okay, friend.
2: all right. Um, Not that
1: you're my enemy. I just don't. Yeah.
2: I'm here with Sergi. Sergi is uh, from Russia, Ukraine. He's from Ukraine. And uh, Sergi, tell me a little bit about your background, about your uh, grandfather, your father, or your father in the ministry and how they were arrested and so forth. Here,
6: speak right here in the mic. I'm a third generation uh, Christian. My grandfather was 14 years in prison because he shared gospel, preached the gospel. He go to uh, first, he gave him seven days. So it's seven years, seven years since they, and seven years because he preached the gospel after seven years because he started preaching and inside in prison. He gave him more seven years. But before before when he got him, three o'clock in the morning, it was 1939. He's coming his house, communist, east, KGB coming house and captain him, him and my father, he was nine years old, ten years. And my grandmom and he go to office. After he say about, okay, we have a do two choice. First choice, you sign up paper. You never preach the gospel. You never tell about Jesus. And you, you take your family and go. And after he said, what he said, he said, like, Jesus said to Judas, do what you want to do. And he took my grandma and my father, my uncle, my aunt, and sent Kazakhstan for Kazakhstan and my father go to prison grandfather go to prison seven years
2: yeah. all right now you you uh, tell us about the Ukraine you have family in the Ukraine even now tell me your perspective what's happening right right with Russia
6: <sighs> for me it's hard hard to say about but you know
1: do you live in Ukraine still or you live here
6: no, I live here. So
1: you can speak... I'm, I'm, I'm coming
6: here in 1995. So you
1: can speak freely. I just didn't want you to get arrested when you went back home.
6: No. Go ahead. I'm from Ukraine, from Mariupol. And I was there, come here 1995. And when it started, but it started 2014. That's right. Between East and West.
1: During the Champions League playoffs in soccer, yeah. I remember. The Political
6: play play about this but for me just this is time for darkness It's coming after light and this is time for people understand this is what bible say you can see difference between true and life because who ministry and who not this is time for show everybody Need to, everybody see
2: it amen but what, what uh, if you as you have talked with your family, does your family feel that Ukraine is winning or Russia is
6: winning? Uh, you know I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to answer. This is not about no uh, You're not you're not sure. You know I know it's coming time when Russia and Ukraine are gonna be sent back to like before.
2: So you think Russia is gonna eventually win this?
6: You know, you remember when World War Two and Hitler killed many people, million people in Russia Ukraine, the whole Soviet Union. And everybody said we never forget. We never forgive the, uh, Germany we never forgive right now UK- Ukraine and Germany together get against Russia hmm.
2: so so you think Russia is really eventually going to overrun Ukraine <laughs> you know when I hear I hear Jonathan there's a great revival that's breaking loose in the Ukraine. And this is a time that God is moving miraculously. And uh, I think we ought to pray for the Ukraine. Go ahead. Why don't you lead us in prayer, Sergio? Pray. Pray for Ukraine.
6: Мой, мой язык. Я, я, я. Господь во имя Иисуса Христа, я благодарю тебя за эту милость, которую ты возможность, которую ты даешь сейчас, чтобы Господь молиться, призывать имя Святое. Я молюсь за Украину, я молюсь за Господь, чтобы пришел мир. Я прошу тебя во имя Иисуса Христа, мой Бог, я прошу тебя, я прошу дерзновения, проси тебя о минимальных жертвах, которые могут происходить там во имя Иисуса Христа. Я благославляю Господь эту народ, Господь на мир, Господь чтобы пришло это разрушить разруш во имя Иисуса Христа всякую войну, Господь. И пусть благодатью через эту благодать придет мир в сердца людей, прощение пройдет, которое, Господь, превыше всего, Господь. Потому что Ты простил этот мир, не вменяя преступления. И дай нам это сердце, которое может научить нас прощать, покрывать и любить. Как Ты сказал, любите врагов. И поэтому мы благословляем Украину, благословляем Россию. Во имя Иисуса Христа. Аминь.
2: Amen. Hey, like, was, that, was that Ukrainian or Russian? I speak Russian. That was Russian. Okay. Thank you, Sergey. Thank, Thank you for coming on. You. Thank you, Sergey. Good to see you.
1: God Thank bless you. God. Hey, Pastor Bob, real quick before we take our guess. You, you know, Putin has no interest in conquering Ukraine. You know that? Right? Really? After World War II, Ukraine was to be the buffer between Europe and Russia. Russia was not to move into Ukraine and europe wasn't to move it into ukraine that was the the space between that was settled with stalin and and uh, the allies mm-hmm. then nato started building bioweapons labs on the border it'd be like china building bioweapons labs at niagara falls and and that's where putin hit then putin also wants access to the black sea where um uh where 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 was the conflict before this I can't think of the name of it. In that eastern region, Crimea, Crimea, that's it. So they paint it here like Putin is attacking them, then he's gonna move into Europe, it's bull crap. And Ukraine is a giant money laundering operation. Uh, We kick in money from the treasury, then it goes through back channels which is being investigated right now, back to Biden, Pelosi, that's what's all coming out right now. There's no interest in the war. They have to give the appearance of a war That's why they're letting the Azov Battalion fight their battle. But all it is, is money laundering. Because after Afghanistan, there was nowhere for the politicians to wash their money to come back out. So they moved it to Ukraine. Did you ever see that clip where Joe Biden is in Ukraine and he says, back when he's vice president, and he said, I told them if they don't fire this prosecutor, the prosecutor was looking into the money laundering operation. And so Biden flew over to tell him on behalf of Obama, if you don't cancel this, if you don't fire this prosecutor, it's over. They're, Ukraine has zero chance of winning the war. They're out of people, they're out of munitions. It's a, it's a I won't call it a phony war because people are dying. They do enough of a war to, to show the American people that we need to keep emptying our treasury over there, but it's all being washed through back channels. How does a senator make $300,000 a year and retire with $400 million in net worth? So think of this. If you're Ukraine and I'm Russia, or if you're Ukraine and I'm America, I give you 100 billion in aid from the treasury. My son sits on your board of directors from your power plant company, or you have my daughter come and give a speech at your university and pay her a quarter million, and then that's what all the phone calls are about. Kick 20% back to the big guy, kick half back to the big guy. Why do you think Hunter Biden is on the board of directors of Burisma power in Ukraine? The money goes over there, then it gets delegated to places where Pelosi and everybody else, and not just Democrats, Republicans people, and then it makes its way back to them, keep running money over, back to
2: their pockets. Well, you know, back during the times of Reagan and Gorbachev, they said, Russia said, we'll pull out if this will be where NATO stops. That's right. Baker says, I won't go one foot Beyond Germany. Correct. Well they did, fourteen hundred miles.
1: That's right. And and it'd be like like you said. Like China on Niagara Falls. I'm yet to get a reason from somebody. Why does Putin why is Putin not allowed to defend himself? You can't tell me if we'd a obviously with this dementia-soaked guy we have in office, it, it doesn't apply. But if you had a normal president, Democrat or Republican, if China or Russia were building bases in southern Toronto, you can't tell me. There, there wouldn't be a strike against those bases. So why is Putin, if that agreement was violated, why is he not allowed to defend Russia? I don't, I don't understand why so many Americans. It's like you'd think it was 1985. Anything Russians evil, Russian leaders evil. If, if you look at things from Putin's perspective, I, I would like someone to explain to me why anything he did is wrong.
2: Tucker Carlson, I saw in his report he went into a, a grocery store. Did you see that article? I did. And he was able to buy what we buy for two hundred and fifty dollars in groceries for a hundred and five dollars. I mean, the same identical food from American companies. That shows inflation in Russia. They're not starving to death. No,
1: there's bet. I mean, Tucker showed the best of Russia. So it would be like taking somebody in America to Beverly Hills. Like, look how good these people live, because that's really what happened, because there's really bad spots in Russia, too. You know, what Americans a lot of times don't understand is sometimes there's not a good guy and a bad guy. Sometimes there's two bad guys. Zelensky is an awful—Zelensky is way harder on the church than Putin. He shut down churches. He, he took away—preachers have to get licensed through the state. He's not a good guy. Never was. It's a ruse— To get the american people to feel bad for ukraine so we feel okay about emptying the federal treasury which we did 200 billion dollars at a shot 100 billion 80 billion those are insane amounts of money to empty for what why are we backing him putin's not looking to go into europe and if he is let europe fight him you know meanwhile it's like there's nobody to help here you you won't give trump eight billion to build the wall and you send 250 to ukraine They don't have clean drinking water in Flint, Michigan, and we can empty a hundred billion. You can't tell me it's not money laundering. No politician cares about other people like that. So I wasn't going to bring that up with him there because, uh, you know, people are propagandized. They don't see it. But Putin's not wrong to do what he's doing. And he's not. If he wanted to wipe Ukraine off the face of the earth, he could do it. They've got nothing left. They're out of money. They're out of munitions. Their soldiers are all quitting because they have no chance. You know, it, it's a shame to see. Switching gears, I want to welcome uh, somebody I've known for a long time who gave me my first opportunity on television, on uh, on some, any type of national television. I'd only been on affiliates back in 2014. Please welcome Dr. Andre Raybert, who's here at the National Religious Broadcasters. This is Pastor Bob Rogers. We know each other. We know, we, each,
8: other. We know each other well.
1: Mm. Great, okay, Great to be with you, John. So I saw you at the booth across the wind, figured I'd in- invite you over and talk to you on the mic. Um since we'd end up talking anyway. Tell me, uh, I know, but tell the folks at home why you're here, about your new network, and how it's going.
8: Well, thank you so much, Jonathan. Great to see you, Bob, again. And, uh, you know, we're doing what God's called us to do, and that is to take Faith TV around the world. That has been our heart. It's about souls. It's about the reach. And God's just opened up a door for us just in recent months to cover America, coast to coast on the Direct TV platform. We felt this is a good opportunity for us to get the word out to many other programmers, many other people, like-minded faith, and uh, like yourselves, to be able to come and uh, distribute the signal across America. The purpose of Faith TV, as you know, is is different to every other channel. We wanting the gospel of Jesus Christ to reach, and we want the message of faith to go across. That's really what our purpose is.
1: Yeah, and for those that are watching, this is the channel that our, our church is on live for two hours. Every Sunday, he opened up that spot for us to broadcast 10.30 to 12.30, which I'm very thankful for. Tell me this, and I'm asking this genuinely. I'm not doing it argumentatively. Yeah. You have people, and obviously I'm on your channel and a couple others, so I I see the TV side of things. Tell me from a TV programmer perspective and a channel owner perspective, why the people that are so high on digital television and streaming only and television's finished, why is it not finished?
8: Well, I think it's a generational thing. I think what you've got is you've got a generation of uh, older people that are not digitized. So therefore, television, I believe, is generational. Uh, I think there's a couple more years left. I think TV is going digital. Uh, definitely, there's digital streams popping up. You know, you take people like TV, you take Dish Network, Dish Network. You, you, you take all of these different uh, organizations, they're all switching to a digital tr- tr- uh, transmission basis, which is a lot cheaper Number one, to distribute that signal than it has been to maintain the costs of the satellite, the costs of the, the uh, transmissions of what we would call an analog linear television. but. There is an older generation, Jonathan, whether we like it or not, around the world. Yeah, like that me. Is...
7: <laughs> I, I hate streaming. I, I like cable.
8: Co- co- correct. And, I, you know, I'm the same personally, but there are young people. I mean, my children and, you know, your children. I guarantee you, your daughter never watches linear television. No, all she doesn't. All right. And so Just I... watches
1: Stallone movies.
8: Yeah. <laughs> and and the, the, the thing is, the modern generation is all about on-demand TV. In other words, I want to watch when what I want to watch when I want to watch. That's what I think we've got to understand. So, so as, a te- as a television network owner, we have multiple streams, and we need to make sure every one of those streams is still accessible. You, you'll you have people that watch you on YouTube, Facebook, and your own uh, streaming service for your church, but I guarantee you there are people on oh, DirecTV yeah. watching.
1: No, for sure. It, it's, it, to me, it's the same as when people say, why do you send the newsletter out for your ministry? Everything's digital now. No. There are people that like to get get mail. Just like why are you on Facebook when you could be on Twitter? There's people that are exclusive to each thing. Let me ask you a question. I know you don't work for Dish Network, but like let's take them in particular. It, it, you're you're on DirecTV. We're right? on DirecTV. Okay, so there's no conflict of interest. What is Dish Network up somebody like them's plan because they're they've dropped low enough in subscribers that if they drop about another million they lose their their satellite broadcasting license, right? So a, a network like them, and, and and there's other ones following suit that are dropping, what's their plan to survive and not get taken over by streaming networks?
8: Well, they're switching to their own streaming service. That's their plan. So you take Dish Network, they've got their own streaming platform. You take Directv; they've got their own streaming platform, but here's the catch. They are not allowing any Christian networks on their own streaming platforms. They've cut them off. They've verbalized it, and they've said that their own streaming servers are not going to be carrying Christian content.
1: What's the reason for that,
8: Jonathan? I wish I knew. I I mean, I I
1: know I know stuff spiritual, but like, if you sat at a board meeting with those people, what would be their reason for cutting that off?
8: Well, it's been the same reason around the world. They they feel that the Christian market and the Christian organisations like ours or yours or any is a very uh, minute. Uh, grouping of the population You can say
1: that about any almost any channel right
8: well you could you could but that's that's another reason even advertising let's take advertising for example let's say we go to the toyotas of the world the mercedes-benz we've tried this in other places of the world too because christian tv is backwards and that's the thing that's frustrated me in this journey now. I've been in Christian TV 25 years. And the thing that has frustrated me, and Bob, I think you, you're exactly the same, we have to pay everywhere we go. It's like crazy. But if I was a, a channel of a network, if I was a CNN or a, or a, hey, you or a Fox News, I would have ad revenue, but they would pay me a subscriber base to be there. This thing has switched around, and that's what people have to understand. We have to pay to be there, but all those other secular channels—they get paid to be there. It's totally, and there's ad revenue. Now you go to the ad revenue places, and you say to the motor car companies, "Advertise with us," and they say, "No, if we advertise with you, we are siding with a Christian." A genre of population and we will cut ourselves off from everyone else they don't want to be sided with any one religious group that's the thing we faced continually
1: interesting i, I didn't realize somebody had, so you've tried to bridge the gap to, have, to flip we have, it back I, around
8: i've bridged the gap i've been in the top uh, look i come from south africa we are the manufacturers uh, right across the river from us is the biggest manufacturing plant of mercedes-benz that's right ships I, the cars out. yeah i've been in the top top ceo companies i've been with the top people And uh, they all believe in us. We have a viewership. They all believe in it. But what they're saying is, as soon as we side with the Christians and we advertise on a Christian network, we will cut ourselves off from every other religious grouping of individuals. That means if we advertise on Christian revenue base, then the Muslims, the Islamic movement, other groupings of people will not buy our motor cars. That's their argument. Do Muslims buy Subarus? I've always seen the suicide
1: bombings. It seems like they favor Toyota uh, pickup trucks, if <laughs> you ever seen them blow up. And especially in- good, good, good. Do you ever see when ISIS was in Syria? They all had Toyota Tacoma pickup trucks. Like, Who has a Toyota dealership in Damascus? <laughs> <laughs> um, that's interesting to me. I'm, I'm learning something here. So where do you see, so the future is streaming, so with those things being so, Things are going to change, have changed a lot, and they're going to change a lot more. Yeah. As a network, yeah. what 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 does a Christian network do to, to stay on the, the wave of what's going on and not get left behind?
8: I, I think here's the key. We've got to work together. With? With each other. You're talking ministries I, or you're talking like DirecTV and that? I'm, well, I'm talking networks, Christian networks and ministries. And uh, y- here's the thing. You and I, as an example... You know, do I need you? Do you need me? Maybe not. But well, then in another way, we no, do. It. But in another way, we do. So, so, so the thing is,
1: the thing is... Your, even if we run away from each other, we always end up bumping back into each other. So you might as well just embrace it.
8: But, but that's the point. We do need each other and 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 i can do something that you can't do and you can do something i can't do bob bob has his reach of what he can do and the unity has to come together in the body of christ if we stopped fighting against each other and actually work together i'm talking from a network perspective we could be strong when i look at what dish network are doing when i look at what direct tv are doing when i look at other providers what they're doing on their digital stream That is why we created this platform, faithnow.com. And if I may give it a plug for a moment. You may. You do whatever you want. Okay. But but faithnow.com was something that we set up as a platform for ministries to work together. The hardest job that I've had, Bob, and this is the thing. Yeah, we have a streaming service that is exploding around the world. We've had over 250,000 downloads. Wow. That's a lot. Of our streaming service. And uh, the thing is this. The thing is that... Churches and other ministries. I approach, and I don't want to mention names, but I approach other Christian TV channels. I say, "Come on board with us." Guys. Names and names. <laughs> I, I, Initials. I, well, you, you know, they start with letters of the alphabet. You, you, you know, like <laughs> D and T, and you know, other things. Okay, but 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 why, why I'm saying that is they say no. We already have a streaming service. We already do our own thing. Yeah, it's every man uh, for himself. Every man for himself, and they don't want to work together. I'm saying, hold on, faith now. Is a streaming service platform for all channels. So Victory Channel, as an example, came on board with us. They did, huh? The, yeah, Victory Channel. They, they, they commented to us. They said, Andre, the the Faith Now platform has given us one of the biggest reaches. Right now, we measure every single one on our Faith Now platform of who's watching on Faith Now, and uh, Victory Channel. They are having thousands and thousands of views on our Faith Now platform. So what does that mean? When you have one platform, multiple channels all together, you you go to a food mall, or you go to a place where you're going to go and eat, you walk to a place, all the restaurants are together. They're all next to each other. You choose. Do you want beef? You know, do you want to eat meat? Do you want to eat fish? Do you want to eat fast food? Right. Uh, do you want to eat Subway? You, you know what I'm saying? They're all together. They don't compete with each other. They, no, they compete each they, other. it's a common marketplace. It's a common... The church has never got that right. No, they haven't. The, the church always criticizes each other. The church always st- opposes each other. I'm better than you. And I'm saying, guys, we've got to stop that. We've got to work together because, Bob, your, your, your channel, just think about it. You could, you could bring that channel in. Others could bring a channel in. Your, your network could come in and be a part with us, Jonathan, and all of that. We put them all on faith now. Now we have the power of going to the marketplace and everyone benefits from everyone. So when I'm watching your channel, uh, no, I don't like what you're saying. I can jump to victory. Yeah,
1: I hear that a lot. Yeah, yeah.
8: <laughs> when, when I'm watching victory, okay, I, I don't quite like that program. I can jump across. Right. And we and, and that was yeah, you do like What
1: Disney did with, with ESPN and uh, whatever other channel they just got, get as much. Basically, what you're having to do on streaming is reinvent cable.
8: That's exactly what the Lord spoke to me about. We've pushed out ahead of the game. I think we might be a year or two ahead of the game, but we're in. Because no one else is trying No one else else is trying to build their... They're trying to build their thing. Every other channel, every other network wants to do their thing. Faith now, I believe, is going to become a strength network of a selection of channels, a grouping of channels. And uh, our appeal is to everyone, get involved, be a part of it, strengthen the base of faith now. Uh, we, 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 we've we we've had inroads with Sony movies. They want us to hit a certain target market before they'll release movies to us. So we've got to get the subscriber base up. Now, yes. What yes, do they want, a million? Uh, they, they said they'll talk to us at about 300,000. Oh, so you're almost there. Uh, We're we, we close. we close. But Can't yes you do fake
1: numbers like the people who do the budget for the U.S.
8: government? Here's the thing, John.
1: Jonathan. Who's auditing the subscribers? Can't you just tell them you have, hey, good news, we
8: hit 301,000 exactly. Yeah, that's the thing. But here's the problem. Subscribers come and subscribers go. All right. I, yes, true. And, and especially, you know, I come from Africa. Africa, uh, you, you know, it's a $1.99. Now, here's the other problem that I'm facing. And uh, people are, are, are saying, well, why do you charge a subscriber base? Why, why are you there? The bandwidth costs us. All right to be able to do what we well, do. I mean why wouldn't you charge? Well what what streaming service is free? Even the ones that were free started charging. Yeah, but we, we one dollar ninety nine. We're not even, it's not even money, Jonathan. It's it's and the reason we do that is and I'm I'm open with our figures. I mean I, we get audited, we open. It costs me a dollar a month to have you as a subscriber. Right. For unkept, unlimited content. Now, before I was a subscriber base, and this is what people need to understand, before we were a subscriber base, all right, it was costing me $5,000 a day the amount of bandwidth we were sucking. All right. That's what I was doing. It was five thousand U.S. dollars a day in bandwidth. That's a lot. So I had to switch to a subscriber base. When I switched to a subscriber base, uh, at that point, I had three hundred and fifty thousand subscribers. I lost about two about two hundred. I lost about three hundred and ten thousand subscribers like that. Couldn't pony up the dollar ninety nine. They couldn't get the dollar ninety i I'm saying, guys, the game of Christian TV has to change. Everyone says, give it for free, give it for free. I would love to give it for free, but the amount of bandwidth that he sucked. I mean, you take prayer.com, you take any one of these organizations, they're charging because of the back-end bandwidth. Right. That's where the cost is. And that's what people need to understand. As much as you pay for the bandwidth on the front end, we pay for the bandwidth on the back end. Now, I've managed to secure uncapped bandwidth, open-ended bandwidth on the back end for 99 cents. And it's a dollar a month donation to help us extend the gospel of Jesus Christ around the whole world.
1: Yeah, it seems like a good deal. So if somebody wants um, to subscribe to your app, first tell them who, who you have signed on right, right now. Of course, you have your own. Your own uh, uh, platform that I'm on, and then you have your own program on every day. Right. But if somebody wants to subscribe, where would they find it?
8: faithnow.com 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 we are in the app store we 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 all over uh, you can get it on any device anywhere around and uh, the beautiful thing about faithnow is we we currently and and that's part of the reason why we're here at the NRB with you and with everyone else we are trying to get every other christian network to jump on board with us because we feel if we can get 25 30 christian tv channels onboarded with us we would have one of the most powerful apps around the whole world to be able to push the gospel of Jesus Christ forward and uh, and here's the thing we're not asking any network to come on board and pay to be on board it costs us but we subscriber driven so we're using the subscriber dollar every month to be able to cover that all we are asking is for people to come on board it costs it cost me just about a thousand dollars a month to onboard a particular channel 24 7 we out there I'm not here for money I'm here for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And and that's the beautiful thing. We've got Faith TV. We've got Victory Channel. Currently, we've got the Supernatural Network with Sid Roth. We've got Him TV, Katie TV, uh, Curry Blake, Pioneer Network. We've got Victory Television Network. We've got the Word Network with us currently. We've got the Now Network with us. Uh, we've got foreign language channels.
1: So you've had a lot of success con- convincing channels to, to come onto the streaming service with you. We,
8: we're not. With that's, that's a,
1: yeah, but that's a good, I mean, it's, you know, if anybody knows anything about how ministry works, it, it's a feat that you got anybody to agree to, to, to partner with you,
8: right? It's people with the right heart. Yeah. And, and we need, we need some, of, some of the other guys to jump on board. We've got foreign language channels. We've got podcasts. We've got movie. A movie we've got the lives. So, so you have a conference at your church. You can go live. Right. On a live, what we have is we've got a kids TV channel that we've put on board. So everything is in the handheld device. Everything is right there. Five devices you can connect. Five devi- like like um, uh, Netflix. Yes, you can have five subscribers for a dollar ninety nine. You can share your password five times to five big screen TV in your home, all HD quality, four K. Very powerful.
1: That is awesome. Well, tell them the website one more time. faithnow.com What percentage of Christian television networks do you feel are completely oblivious to where things are going and will be out of business in five years?
8: I think there's a downward spiral. Absolutely. I think the costs have become exorbitant for uh, uh, maintaining uh, terrestrial cable, all of those platforms. That is very expensive. And if they don't do the switch within five years, I would say we're going to lose 50% of the TV networks.
1: So then for a ministry like me too, if you're just doing television, you're in trouble within five years.
8: Absolutely. But you're also in trouble on YouTube and Facebook. Correct you 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 in trouble on any social media platform that is backed where you don't have control yes that that's what i think people need to understand And that's why i keep saying oh, you
1: can have your channel taken from you overnight you, you,
8: uh, overnight well,
1: you, and then you, the people you appeal to are the people who took it down in the first place correct
8: i mean you you you're a prime
1: example how many times have you been blocked i'd not have just been blocked i got my channel completely taken down in, t- in 2021 and we never appealed cuz i knew <laughs> i knew they they probably had me yeah And uh, then they just put it back up. But, I mean, it it can happen. They could do it. The last time I got a strike and was taken down for a week, it was for a program we did in October of 2022. I got taken down in January. Yeah. So, you know, somebody, some transgender purple crew-cutted person gets angry at something you said. They dig through all your content. And you obviously, you can find find something. You, you
8: you'll be done. You'll be. I mean, we've 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 had. Uh, I mean, for example, I mean, I, I've had uh, um, a gospel artists, good artists, on playing their own music on our channel, and we've been blocked for copyright infringement. Yes. We're saying, hold on. These are the people whose music it is. Yes. And, and and they'll block you. You see, that's that's how the algorithms, and they're changing the algorithms all the time. So I believe Christian television and the gospel of Jesus Christ, like you and I, we have a life expectancy on Facebook, YouTube, or any other organization. We have to create our own. We have to be in a place of having our own.
1: There's a lot of preachers that are great preachers, and they're not on TV. Yeah tell them why they should get on television and how it's not unreachable
8: it's not unreachable and that's what i want people to it understand. used to be it, in it, the it, 90s it, it used to be you needed
1: a million dollar ministry but tell them tell them now the benefit and and what you can i don't mean your costs and stuff but what what they could do it for
8: our, our costs are not a secret okay so, so i mean, it. Yeah, yeah so so I, I i don't mind i mean that that's not a we're we covering the entire nation of America. Eight, look, it's only 8.5 million homes, and I'm not sure yet. I've got to wait six months for the percentage of that. But from the correspondence we've received already, I'm estimating anywhere between ten and 15,000 to 20,000 households at any one time watching us, which to me is quite a breakthrough already. I would say. Okay. You said uh, how many households? Between th- 15 and 20. Oh, I'm, that, that's amazing. 1,000. I'm, I'm waiting for the new statistics. I've got six months. I've got to be in the market before I can get those statistics. But yes, and, and I'm measuring that from correspondence, letters, phone calls, etc., because there's percentages that you can work on in this industry. But here's the thing it's got to be about the content, it's got to be about we want to have good-looking content, okay? So we don't just want any mom-and-pop show. Right, where yeah, it looks yeah. like it was filmed by a deer stand camera. Co- correct. So, so yes, we, we we do look at that. And I think, Bob, you'd know from the background as well, that's something important. <laughs> Did just, you film your church's Sunday morning broadcast with a Ring doorbell cam? Good, good. <laughs> true, true. But yeah, 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 here's the thing. You know, when, when we went on, I, I took the cost. Of what it would cost to cover the nation, and I said, I'm not going the route of everyone else. I'm going the route to say, guys, you come on board. I'm playing open cards with you. This is my cost, and what we're needing to be able to cover the nation. So we we have done an opening special, thousand dollars a month, yeah, per 30 minutes. That's it, thousand dollars a month. That's two hundred and fifty dollars per show. Eight and a half million potential homes, and I would say anywhere between fifteen and twenty thousand actually watching. That's less than two hundred and fifty dollars. Per 30 minutes to be on national TV covering around the whole nation of America. And here's the good news, Jonathan from the 1st of March, we're popping this open into the UK. We're aligning our UK feed. We're taking everything from the US. We've made the decision. We're literally less than a month away from it. Uh, Well, yeah, we're coming up a couple of days, I gave a couple of days. We're 1st of March. We will be popping this open and we're going to be taking the USA stream. Uh, and the, everything into the whole of the UK, 13 and a half million homes we're adding onto it for another $250 is what we're asking as a donation to the ministry. All right. That's so all we're you'll, asking. Be a,
1: you'll be covering 21 and a half million homes
8: by the 1st of March. Wow. For... donation to the ministry every month. Now, here's the thing. People say, yeah, but you're all about money. No, the money is going to take us to be able to reach what we've got to reach. Yes. We open cards. And you take that, you multiply that by every 30 minutes of broadcast, you can understand how much it's costing us to do what we do. 24 hours in the day, 48 programs, multiply that, 168 hours in the week.
1: Plus employees to to keep up on it.
8: and, and, And to be able to do it. So for us, it's not about money. For us, it's about reach. And I'm wanting to go further. I'm wanting to get onto some other. I still believe linear television has its has its season. I agree, but it's got to go along with digital. The yes. two have to go together. Thanks
1: for taking time. Thank you. Tell uh, any pastors or ministers watching one more time where if they want to, if they're interested in getting their programming on your network.
8: If you're interested, info at myfaith.tv info at myfaith.tv and uh, you can call our office or go to the website myfaith.tv contact us personally, ask for Gavin or ask for Andre and we'll set you up and get you you going it's just got to be good content, it's got to be the word of faith all right. it cannot be anything else it's got to be the full gospel of Jesus Christ, we don't want any flakes you know, I've got to tell you this funny story quickly before I go we had a lady submit a program great program we approved it, four weeks down the line you don't want to know what the program was. We have those as well, Jonathan. <laughs> no, it's unavoidable. Okay, so but we pulled her and uh, she got all our right with us, got upset, but we did it. Okay, T- and typical that's typical broad. And, Go ahead. yeah <laughs> no, but that, the point that I'm trying to make is we've got to keep the channel pure. We've got to keep the channel full of the gospel of Jesus yes. Christ and nothing flaky, everything strong.
1: I like that. Dr. Andre Everett. thanks for stopping by. Thank Great you, thank it. you. Sorry to give you my left hand, but I can't reach for the all right, Dr. Andre Rabert, that's Faith TV that we're on, and you can catch our program 10:30 uh, a.m. to 12:30 p.m. every Sunday live. Good to see you, Gavin. Congratulations on the wedding. Great to see you. Love you man. Thanks for, thanks for dropping by. Joining us on the program, Pastor Bob, you'll give a better introduction than me.
2: Amen. We're uh, excited. Uh, to have Carrie uh, Eldridge with us. And Carrie uh, and his family have been friends for a long, long time. And Carrie's uh, uh, dad <clears throat> has his doctorate from Stanford University, has written a number of books, but is such sold out to the gospel that uh, I just I love this family. Carrie, welcome. And uh, how are you doing, my friend? Can you hear us?
7: I'll put like Dr.
2: Bob? Welcome. How are you doing? Very well. Thank God you. God bless. God bless. You hear anything yet, right? Getting yet, all right? hooked up yeah. here. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, Kerry, yeah. uh, tell us a little bit what... Where, when did you guys you,
1: meet? Huh? What? When did you guys meet? When did the relationship begin? 1990s.
2: End of the 90s. Yeah, Korea. It's, been, it's been about 30 years ago. And, um, uh, we met in Korea. And, uh, <clears throat> his dad is one of the great... Uh, Christian layman in the world and actually your father helped come up with the invention of the chip that's in every television tell them a little bit about that
7: it was a, a semiconductor investment in a startups out of Korea, and so Samsung and the rise of Samsung allowed for uh, an incredible uh, opportunity for that. So we were working with our older, dear friend, uh, Dr. Kim, if you recall, but uh, who helped uh, us on the legwork to, to do that, and we were, uh, we were very excited about that. It's still uh, to have that impact today.
2: Uh, Jonathan, Carrie, uh, they have an organization that is very involved politically against moral issues to elect candidates that are for the Ten Commandments and so forth. It's called Ziklag. Tell us a little bit about what's happening and what it's all about.
7: Yeah, my uh, parents were praying for the country like the. like, uh, many of us are, and my, they felt a very specific calling to a specific group that really had not, uh, come together. But these are some of the people on the, that are to use your term on the layman side, uh, but still have quite an impact on the church, usually through resources, et cetera. Um, and an opportunity to bring them together. It's sort of in the, it, what happened in Ziklag, uh, David is pleased to Ziklag, even though he's anointed King already. And many Christians feel that's what's happened to our country. was founded by Christians. And yet we Christians sometimes feel left out of it. Uh, And it's in Ziklag where the mighty men that came to Ziklag helped him become the army to take back uh, Judah and then eventually Israel, Um, that that sort of gathering of uh, there's something very specific about that and that we feel that the country is under threat uh, by a lot of uh, sinister forces that the enemy is. From your perspective, what would you say is the main threat? main threat? You know, obviously the, the distance from God of the of the American people. They they sort of know of him and don't know him like they used to, and we think that's number, threat number one. So that's this threat that comes from the inside. it comes from the outside. The enemy has tried uh, very much to take down the funding. He takes down the United States. 80% probably of the funding to the entire world of missions and ministry would dry up with that. Uh, so it seems to us that the devil, being strategic, would cut go straight for that supply. So he has a number of ways through which that manifests that but ultimately we see a lot of threat for christian giving
1: now on that note because you said you see it manifest in a number of ways so if you want to give more than one it's fine what would you say right now are the main threats on the horizon to choking out the financial autonomy of the
9: church
7: Oh, definitely the movement for globalization and what you see uh, a lot of the, uh, almost feels like a, a world war already, but just not fought with weapons at the moment, except for certain areas of the world. Uh, a lot of vying for control and uh, worldwide for actually how everything's done. If you're familiar with the uh, Seven Mountain concept, you know this looks like they've gone after every one of these mountains, and now the business is the last one that seems to be taken on here. And when you see company, worldwide global corporations, uh, beginning to act uh, in unison, which we would have said it was collusion a few years ago uh, to take down a lot of the alternatives if you look at what happened uh, um, even during the last elections where some of the alternative offerings of social media and stuff were actually cancelled by all the suppliers at the same time again to me, that is uh, my opinion that's a collusion that should not be allowed, but it stands to this day with no one uh, really having taken much stand uh, officially against that. So, when you start to see that corporations are beginning to be this gate that is allowing, is beginning to try to block, cancel, shut people out, especially in the media, what the internet and the advent of the internet has allowed them, the, uh, every person can participate in conversation. If they block out a certain message of a certain group, Fraught with danger there because whatever the other four other threats we might see as we all start to talk and converse, if we're being blocked out of the community, out of the conver- the global conversation that now is enabled by internet, you're finished. Real problem,
1: yeah. And if those corporations not only block free speech, but then the ability of the church, that, you know, we won't do business with churches. It's like, like countries you've been to overseas, they don't shut the church down, but no bank will deal with a church. There can't be any payment processing between churches. Tell me this. Do you have any plans or, or do you know of any plans for the church to basically operate outside of, of you know, Chase Manhattan and all the, all the banks? If they're going to gang up, because you're getting banks consolidated left and right where there's only a few big ones left. If they moved against the church, have you guys thought down the road to, to an alternative, just like we need alternatives to YouTube? What about financially?
7: Oh yes, in fact, uh, I think it's quite exciting. It's scary, but it's also exciting, and in either way, we win here. Because if if it does come to this extreme like persecution, we know what will happen to the church. It'll grow. So it is quite possible that the, that the devil may not overplay his hand if he realizes that as well. Which, but usually he doesn't. But that creates for what's so called parallel economy. This is good and bad. There's a lot of good there. Sometimes it can actually create an economy that's much larger when you look at the value oriented, the Christian in particular. But then those who would tend to ascribe to the mores and morality. Of the Christian, even if they're not, the so-called Judeo-Christian ethic, and these are actually a lot of the mainstream religions even, Uh, they could be a much bigger market than the ones that are cancelling toward this small enforcement. So it only does come by fiat if the government can enforce, so that's where that flashpoint is. But if they don't, uh, it creates for a lot of things, financially and other, you mentioned YouTube, social media, it's an area that I'm working on in particular right now, is alternatives that I find will be much better for the church than it's ever been. So this will often uh, lead to our uh, improvement of our situation. And I do know financially there are... Um a number of countries and things that are working on uh, everything from hard currency and gold to in this country, for example, a friend of mine working on a project to use a gold as currency in the United States, which is allowed in the Constitution for States. Uh, and a number of states are signing on to this. This would be amazing if this happens because now you're outside of the inflationary system. And, and it's and you positive. said there's
1: legislation there, at the local
7: level? Uh, yeah, in uh, different states. Several of the states. And I'd, uh, I, I'll, I'll bring him by. You should talk to him. It's fascinating him to hear by. this. He I've never met
1: Christians that know anything about the economy? Oh, no, he's your expert. Today.
7: Yeah, he's uh, one of my dearest friends, and he runs a he has a uh, content under. He's a best-selling author on this, a expert on financial terrorism, what was happened there, and how they used a lot of those means to attack us. Now he's found they're actually using some of these means. Seems to be not from the external forces taking, you know, trying to attack only, but it's internal. As you know, a lot of the, um, uh, the 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 government entities and things like this are almost weaponized against even the Christians. It feels to many. Yeah, your of us. own citizenry, your own citizenry. Okay.
1: okay let's take this in in two parts this being an election year what do you wish when you meet Christians and you see Christians what do you wish they knew about politics when they voted and that it's a duty, in my opinion. I think it's Hosea eight
7: four. We have to ask the pastors, where it says, you know, I hold you response for those elect but you elect without my consent. I think it's a duty. It's a right. It's a privilege. It's not a luxury. And I think they either treat it like a, a luxury or b like, well, it's something dirty. We're citizens of another kingdom, when we know that Jesus asked us to go and take nations, disciple nations, go to occupy till I come. A lot of those kind of things are, if, if some terrible injustice is happening and you had an ability at least to express your protest by vote, which could actually change. It and you don't, uh, I think we stand before God at that in heaven and explain, why didn't you do I gave you a chance to s- help stop it, and you didn't even do the basics of something so simple as that because you thought, well, it's dirty, or I didn't have a perfect choice, and you won't have a perfect choice ever, but you can certainly choose the lesser of evils and begin to thwart this, so I wish they would get engaged. Many of the Christians don't. Very numbers are very, very small of, of
1: active Bible-believing Christians that actually vote. You're right about that. Tell me, um, in your perspective and this is not to be construed as financial advice but generally the economy is very complex as you know in america so to just say that there's a recession or it's up or down because there's different sectors where where do you see the economy going this year and what do you think is wise for a christian to do with their with their money as far as for them to personally multiply
7: well, you know, I would say take, you know, with a tip of the hat to Dr. Bob and many of the wonderful people I respect in this, the only safe place that I know is when the Lord says that, you know, he, you basically in Proverbs, you give to the poor that which you give, you lend to the Lord and he will repay. That seems to me like a banknote I could take. It doesn't matter what government, what hell, and I'm not saying that it's just prosperity gospel for the wrong purposes. But I'm just saying that's the safest place you have. It, if I feel, is give and you give and you watch. If you don't, the only reason you might not would be fear, and the fear would be to replace that God would take care. Now we need to be responsible steward and we shouldn't be, you know, we should be uh, guided by our giving obviously, but I really feel like this is, and I'm a business, uh, my my area is business. I'm not on the the ministry side and I believe that because I think that's uh, so ever I find myself getting a little bit nervous just give a little bit more and it seems to both relax and I can take that little verse and I almost want to make a paper like a bank statement and put on the verse and not that I need it. He may pay me back in heaven, I'd be happy, but you know what I'm saying, he's gonna, but when I read that it says that which he gives, he will, that which one gives, he will repay. You lend to the Lord if you are giving the poor. So particularly the poor. So if ever you get worried about your finances, I want to just give a little bit more to the poor somewhere and see what, see if the peace doesn't come back and okay, I'm trusting you, Lord. And, and, um, and again, it's, the Lord doesn't have to pay us in this world, but he, he, I believe he does with that verse. So, and then of course we give to give more. I mean, that's not the, not to acquire, uh, is to do that. So that's, that's the existential side. If you're from a more practical tackle of what's likely to happen, it's, it's anybody's guess, but in an election year, um, It is my personal opinion, only opinion, that um, a lot of the the current... Administration power does have a lot of influence over the media, which does have a lot of influence over the economy, and therefore it's likely to see not a lot of change or not a lot
1: of uh, right. r- of danger to the election. It's almost safer that we have a Democrat in office because you don't want to tank the economy going into the election, right? And nobody does, but they have a lot more influence and ability to
7: uh, to, con- you know, to to influence what happens on the election. So it's, in an election year like this, often it gets very nervous, though. So do watch this as it gets real close. You'll you I feels to me I've seen that you do see uh, indicators seem to go down closely, to the election when it looks like there's uncertainty and then comes right back up no matter what the certainty is and I'm no expert in this and uh, especially in stock market but I, it's something we've noticed that that is not likely to happen so look for some uh, concern in November, you know, October, November and then coming back the other way I like especially that. if Trump were to win uh, assuming he's the nominee that uh, you'll definitely see probably a lot of excitement because he did the first time that he won it being that he's if anything always oh, a business person he's likely to do more for the con than others who may have other priorities in social areas, etc. Most people have this feeling, okay, they may not like him or they might love him, but business, he's probably going to work on business. <laughs> Do you feel like a Trump win has already been priced into the market or not Yeah. <clears throat> yes and no. Um, I, I would say no because it, more because it's um, one could look at this recent merger that just went through the government approved of, for, for Trump's media group and that he uh, stands to profit at $4 billion, if I understand, last week from that, so there's some pricing of, oh yeah, this is going to work. Whatever's going to happen, it's going to be, there will be a lot of spending, a lot of economy around this. Elections are spending so much there. So baked in, I wouldn't say it's not. I think the uncertainty there, if he wins, I would look for quite a a big bump. If you feel uh, convinced that he would, I think it's a great time to place a little now and a little bit just before the election.
1: Do you think, and I don't mean the Somali pirate hijack your interview, but I I do like talking to this guy. Um, Since you seem like you do a lot of thinking, when you see what's going on at the southern border, and I know we both live in Texas, it's kind of stupid to just, after a while, to just think, how can the government be so incompetent? And you start looking at it as planned. How much do you think, and if, if, if you've never thought of this or you're not comfortable answering, it's fine. But, I, okay, let me just phrase it like this. I started to think, what if a guy like me or you run for office, right, and we're like, we're going to fix the border and stop this then you get to high levels and you realize that a lot of what's going on with the fentanyl being run through and the human beings run through is actually propping up the U.S. economy. Do you feel like there's a factor in that involved where if you get to a high office, you find out that if you shut this down, it would actually like butcher the economy. the economy?
7: That's a fascinating question. I hadn't looked at it in that term, uh, and I'm sure there's some fascinating studies around that. I know that it's absolutely facilitating a lot of powers that people that are in power. I, I I really do believe that, and that's where the effect would be. The resistance rather perhaps is there. And whether they're directly benefiting or they just indirectly know that, you know, they're if you you know probably start to track back the follow the money to donations and things like this it might not be very pretty um, and you know it's long been you know, a lot of people have felt that actually the government is enabling, as you said, more than they're trying to stop it and or just being incompetent and blessing. From affecting the economy, uh, boy, I, it would be worth it because what's the negative effect is much greater. It would be short-term at best, but if people are dying from fentanyl, this is very bad for our economy, right, yes. I mean, economically only speaking, uh, yet alone the cost, hospitalizations, things like this. So actually I would think quite the opposite. Uh, they don't pay tax, obviously, so it's not helping the governments in that regard, so it's not a benefit there. It's a, um, And um, it. Uh, In those kind of secondary effects, perhaps, of the drug dealer who now can buy a Lamborghini, uh, that, you know, this does, well, does this help the economy? I I suppose on one uh, very uh, sinister way, a neutral way, but a sinister effect is that it does. I just think whatever the cost would be worth to to reduce it, because ultimately it doesn't come without displacing a lot of uh, good people that no longer can work. They've lost their income earner or a whole generation of kids that are just uh, uh, being wiped out by the fentanyl crisis. More
1: than the Vietnam War. Look, you're very fascinating to talk to, and, and it's rare you meet a Christian that isn't like a doomsdayer if you talk about money or the future, and you don't seem like that. So I'm, I'm interested, from my perspective, it's like there has already been such a harsh attempt to collapse the U.S. economy from foreign powers domestically, and it won't collapse. I mean, they've been saying recession forever. How strong is the U.S. economy, and why is it strong? No, it's, it's a great
7: question I wish I was an economist I'll bring my economist friend by later yeah, very, but, very you know, that. but you know but I, I feel that it's uh, it, it is quite strong it is funny my father maybe anecdotal answer but my father you know he uh, was a Stanford MBA uh, student back in 1968 and I didn't know that. they had one of these top uh, economics uh, professors who came at one of the top in his field that presented to them a, a stack of documents on the economy and its strength that was you know a foot thick he said they saw him at his 50th anniversary reunion and they were still alive he was amazing and he came with one he asked him to speak again on the economy came with one paper and he said basically the economy is going to do whatever people think it's going to do that's it and he won the nobel prize he said boil it down to that if the sentiment is optimistic it's there consumer sentiment's everything it's everything there. which is
1: why under trump i mean that's when i started investing in the stock market was under him and to see the difference between him and biden because trump like every day at 2 p.m in all caps the market's soaring job, you know, and then you'd see at the end of the day, everybody would start kicking their money to the market. And it seems like under the Biden administration, they do the exact opposite. They'll do things aren't looking good, like at one o'clock. So you'd be having like a rally. So Trump getting in, I mean, if it survived these last four years and they kept saying recession, at best it flatlined, it, it, it's, it's set to rip if we have a favorable outcome yeah, in fact, level. it's
7: fascinating because if you look at what happened when Bush won, though, it's—I uh, do believe in that and I am optimistic. You said it right for me for a lot of reasons. Uh, but if Bush, if Trump wins, uh, you do look for some—that's where the crazy might begin in the in the world even further for a little while, um, because they'll be tested, and then of course you know there'll be some pretty upset people that sure seem to be unhinged. Uh, the last time, more on that side than on Trump's side, to be honest. Um, but it, everyone, even to put as as neutrally as I could, and I'm I'm not neutral, but I would say if I did, it's okay. Okay, the left might feel like they care about issues that are, you know, uh, societal or society. But everyone, if you don't like Trump, believe, yeah, he cares for business. He's going to help the economy. he better than Biden. That would be the sentiment of I think most left and right. Not that the leftist uh, economic policies help. They'll say it comes at a cost. They'd rather spend that on other other areas, perhaps, or something like that. Now we, I instinctively believe, of course, that as you begin to raise taxes, you start smothering the economy. If something's to happen, it's that. Um, and Trump's the opposite there. Uh, and I, I think most Would probably agree with that unless they felt well. Some aren't paying their fair share or something like this. Uh, They know that this starts to actually uh, suppress what's happening, and so I do believe it's going to be positive long term. When I read Revelation, I just read a very prosperous end time. I don't see it as Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome and this kind of thing. I think the ultimate trajectory, whether it's left or right, it's going to continue to prosper. What's the ultimate test? It seems that the devil actually has left in his bag of tricks, and (laughs) it's prosperity. And I'm all for prosperity, but God's God's Godly prosperity. But He's going to do this to try to be a um, an alternative, right? The good seed that does fall, if they that doesn't make it, it's often because the prosperousness of the world can lead them astray. Since
1: I stole your friend over to you.
2: No, no, I tell you what, this is fantastic. So do you think uh, what's happened, say, in New York uh, with Trump and the decision, If uh, do you think that will stand? I mean, if it does, they could take everything you've got. They could take everything I've got.
7: We, we are absolutely or not? I, I, don't, I don't think so, because I think God is still in control of all this, and it seems the harder they try, the worse it is for them, and I don't think they've realized what they've done is actually helped him to get a lot of free market, a lot of free support, a lot of... From Americans people don't can,
1: like when somebody's picked on.
7: They don't, and who ultimately if the people really decide, eventually that trickles back up. You get these governing authorities. We're not a king, kingdom, in which a king has ultimate effect. They f- act like it sometimes. but they And they know, and it starts to rewind and reverse. So I I ultimately do believe God has already planned this out. And he, uh, my personal feeling is that this is a a very similar to um, when uh, in the book of Judges, there were no kings. That's America in my mind. There are no kings here. Uh, And of course that was good and bad. God was their king, but they would often walk away. They cry out for a deliverer. God would send one. And the deliverers were often far from perfect. Samson was breaking all kinds of uh, moral codes. And I think that's Trump. I really do believe people have prayed for it. And he's not what the the christians might have expected all the time but i think he's one of these rough tough barbarian warrior and he's going to fight and i think the same way is going to happen that actually he's going to break through these uh these sinews that they think they've tied him with that just come apart like nothing so
1: not to mention nothing ticks me off more than hearing about trump's moral failures and how can any christian vote for him it's not between christ and trump you know anything you're going to pin to trump he's running against biden not jesus Just like in 2016, he's running against Hillary. So he he had extramarital affairs with with women. So did Hillary, according to CNN.com. So I never understood Christian's freaking out about, you're not electing. It's like your airplane pilot. I don't care how much he prays. Can you fly a plane? In fact, if I hear him praying, it will make me nervous. So I I don't get why Christians think like that and don't understand policy. They get so easily misled. All somebody has to do is make an appearance at a Methodist church one Sunday. He went, I don't care. What are your policies? I wouldn't vote for my mother if she's got communistic policies, whether she goes to church or not, you know, or I like her. You, You look at somebody's policy, somebody having affairs, are they making that their policy? affairs and extramarital affairs. You can pin anybody to the wall. That's not why you vote for people and it's not why you vote for a leader.
2: Well so you think he he, he will get elected then?
1: I, it's my belief that he will
7: and I, I do too I, I think God's doing it I really I think there's a lot of the only the only concerns that I have is on the on the cheating on the on the on the election fraud that is I do not feel we're doing enough there and that benefits everybody I want the purity of the system even if it's not the result that I want why would there be resistance to that and if there is you have to ask who's resisting and why because everyone should agree that yeah let's make it as absolute pure we can all agree we can all count the vote we can all see that there's no funny business and uh, it's it's quite obvious a lot of the current powers that we aren't taking this seriously enough. So that concerns me. But that being said, I do believe God is Plan this out, and and much like Samsung, I think it, it, uh, that uh, he'll would be a, a bit of almost a, a second coming. I'm not saying it's the same, but it, we see this theme throughout Bible. If many times a first deliverer comes, he's actually somewhat rejected. Comes the second time, I see it over and over. You're 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 the, you're the theologian here, but it, you see that with Moses, he has to come twice. Right? You see this with, um, and in fact Stephen, the martyr, he's saying that he goes through the history of of every time you guys reject your, the first guy God sent you till he comes back the second time. So I see kind of a symbol that I feel is a, following a little bit of a, of, a, of a pattern that we see elsewhere in the Bible. And I think he will, so I do think he'll be back. And I think that it will be, I don't know what happens, all what breaks loose when that happens, but, and I think the sentiment
1: is there. I think he's going to have a better, if he gets back in, which it's looking like he is, he's a, what, plus, plus seven in Nevada, plus six in Michigan as of today. He's up in every battleground state except dead even in Pennsylvania. And he, and he doesn't need him. So the difference this time, you know, he had a Republican majority in the Senate and House, and they went against him. I think this time, with what the, the border, it's actually, if he gets back in, it's better that it went Trump-Biden-Trump Trump, than Trump-Trump. Because now you got to see how the opposite policies are horrific for the country. I mean, what 74% of black voters feel there need to be a wall at the border and that Biden's doing a terrible job on immigration. 54% of black voters, as of yesterday, and Pew Research Group, feel Trump is better equipped than Biden to handle the border crisis. So that wouldn't have happened if he went in back-to-back. He'd have had, Repu- you know, the Republicans gave him just as much problem as the Democrats did. They wouldn't give him anything. And this time, they, they'll have to do it. I, it, it it's exciting to me. Of course, one of the variables, is he going to be running against Biden or is he Biden to be replaced? And I'll tell you what I saw yesterday researching the news is it's looking like it would be Biden. Number one, today they did a poll. Newsom polls worse against him. Michelle Obama polls way worse. So they, they don't have anybody. Secondly, there's six states already that it's too late for them to get on the ballot. Uh, as a Democrat, you had defiled by now if you were going to run as the Democrat. So they can't just at the DNC have him step down. Plus, if you're running a massive money laundering operation, allegedly, it's almost like the mafia. You can't, you and your cabinet, it's not like it's just Biden to step down. Everybody that's in power under him is in trouble if they're not controlling the Department of Justice. So like a mafia boss stays until they're 94 for that same reason and you, you don't just get out of the drug racket. I don't see him step... A political analyst I saw said, if you're at the top of the chain as the president, it's almost impossible to remove you if you don't want to step down because you're controlling the whole apparatus, and he can't rebound. What's he going to do to correct course by October? You build a wall? Implement all of Trump's policies? He's,
2: he's finished. All right, I've got a question, and this is—I don't want to open up a whole can of worms, but I've got a guy in my church— that went to Washington, D.C. on January the 6th. He just went up there to be a part of all that, to pray. And then the crowd started going over to the, uh, you know, over Babylon. to the Capitol. And he uh, was at church yesterday. He talked to me. He got 18 months. He's now sentenced to 18 Brandless. months in prison. He said, I I just was walking. The people were directing us. Um, were you in Washington, D.C. during that time?
7: I was not. You know, but it's a shame because I know people in the same. And it seems uh, absolutely lopsided and outrageous that uh, we saw the Black Lives Matter and other protests and riots where they also felt strong sentiment, but there was no, uh, we don't see a lot of what feels like justice for some of the destruction done there. And here, where many people like that just walked in, I've heard the story from many that they were invited in, the police walked with them, they weren't, there were no, uh, uh, they, it was not like it's, you know, it's been uh, sort of portrayed.
2: This guy is as innocent as anybody I know. I mean, he—there was no intentions. He just went up there to. to you know, in effect,
7: isn't it not the people's house, right? I mean, we, we, uh, there shouldn't be lawlessness, but the people's. That we own this. The, 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 I, when I saw the news breaking on TV, I didn't understand all of the, what was happening. But I just said, wow, in a way, it's good to see the people care about this is our house, this is our government. And, of course, they didn't burn anything. They didn't, so, you know, they, 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 There was uh, obviously a lot of people there that were not part of uh, – they weren't there for the cause either, right? They were rebel rousers and this kind of thing brought in from who knows where. And, of course, it's very easy to set them up as the people and make it paint the entire group with that one – an individual that was probably sent in, and we've seen this uh, over and over again. It's a call. but it. It
2: almost seems like it was a setup.
7: To me, it does. In my uh, perception,
2: if, if Trump got in, do you think he would pardon a lot of that?
7: Well, and I would think that the left would also pardon a lot if they were smart about it. And I think of the reverse app, you'd see Trump actually pardoning. OK, look, you guys are very upset at the election. We're going to see. Let's just move on. Abraham Lincoln wanted to forgive the South. Let's move on. He gets shot for it. I really think the bigger play would have been for that. But the very fact that if your friend doing nothing gets agent, is this such a symbol, a message of some fear, much bigger than what the crime, if it was one, was. So what's that about? Why would it be, you know, it is uh, they're trying to signal with this and that's uh, and that leads you to think there's a motivation behind it, not just a justice train to be carried out. Okay, this was the crime, to, and so that tells me they're scared, actually, and why they must be still so scared of Trump and the people and, and, and the people supporting him.
2: Well, our prayers are with them, and and uh, Carrie, I really appreciate you coming. This has been great. Honor to be
7: here, and I thank you, and thank you for the work you do around the world and in America as well.
2: God bless you. Good, good to have you with us. Amen, Jonathan
1: an honor. All right, joining us from the National Faith Advisory Board as I figure out how to get this earpiece back on. Uh, this is the group with uh, that Paula White heads up for the evangelical support for, for President Trump. Welcome. A man that I'm going to be going to the U.S.-Mexico border with next week. So tell me um, tell everybody your name
9: and and, and and who you're here with and what your organization does. Well, uh, hey, thanks for having me on, uh, Pastor Jonathan. Here with the National Faith Advisory Board, where uh, America's largest faith coalition uh, was born uh, after the uh, the white. Well, hey, buddy, how you doing? Actually, was born after the White House, a uh, White House Office of Faith with the President Trump and Pastor Paula. Uh, White Kane, who uh, ran the White House Office of Faith, said we need to continue what was started in the White House and continue that to uh, to keep going. So that's what we're doing. Uh, okay, so next week we're doing what? So next week you're going to be going with me to the border. It's uh, it's a part of our Operation Border Blessing, and and really what I call it is uh, uh, border. It's a graduate level course, crash course, twenty four hour. A crash course on uh, border security. So you'll hear from the best. Uh, the head of Border Patrol will be there with us in El Paso. Uh, you are going to El Paso? Going to El Paso. Yep. And you'll uh, you'll see them in action. Uh, you'll get, quite frankly, what uh, the public doesn't get, and that is to go into the processing center. Uh, Congressmen and senators get, get that. We call it the congressional line tour. Uh, you'll get a briefing from Border Patrol. Uh, spend time with the people of Border Patrol, be able to see the whole process from when they're apprehended at the border and gone through the processing center and then released. And so we'll actually go on Monday night to a church that they're being released to, a church that we established in 2019 in that first wave uh, under President Trump. We knew that we needed to do something. They were just being dropped off the street by Border Patrol and ICE. And so we created uh, this, uh, this network of churches uh, where they could actually be dropped off to a church. They get a meal. They get a shower. Uh, but the most important thing they get is every night they get the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're there they're 24 hours. Next morning, the church uh, takes them to uh, the bus station or the airport, uh, airport. And then another batch will come in. And they'll present the gospel again. About a 95% salvation rate with these that are coming in. Really? I, yeah, I, I call it the inverted Great Commission. you know yeah, send, Instead, send instead, you instead of world. go, they're all coming here. And so we started that in 2019. We've brought about 500 pastors like yourself uh, to the border. And, uh, you know, uh, knowledge is power. You know, Hosea, Force. How,
2: how many people are getting uh, saved going through there? Uh,
9: uh, a week, a month? Oh, I mean it's unquantifiable at this point because its it's a, it's a loose network. What's happened is I'll put it this way before 2019 the evangelical presence was almost non-existent on the border All the work from evangelical was was on the Mexico side of the border right but not on this side of the border so when 2019 hit with that wave that what I call the Soros back, a wave of, of illegals coming in. So
1: you feel like it's not organic that people are coming from Yemen to Juarez, Mexico? <laughs> well,
9: <laughs> well, if you do believe that, I've got some, uh, some, some prime real estate in the swamps of uh, Florida to sell so you. So that's who's funding it, though? Well, I, amongst others. You know, you'd, you'd be surprised. You know, they don't get from point A to point B. No. You know, you're, you've got moms that are eight months pregnant. They're not, they're not walking 3,000 miles. No, and <laughs> no one's walking across an ocean. It, it doesn't work that way. So who, besides Soros, who allegedly may be also behind it? Well, you know, I, I believe there are, without without specifically naming some religious denominations, but there are some religious organizations that are what we call more left-leaning, yeah. uh, that are helping to provide transportation, buses, um, uh, that type of resource on the other side of uh, uh, the Mexico border. So... You know what about
1: from the Middle East and China? Well, listen. Well, you- before you answer that, tell people what I found out when I met you in New Jersey. That it's not, you know, there are a lot of people that still think it's like families in search of a better life, which some are. But then tell them what they've also found. Because you've made, this isn't your first trip down to the
9: border. When they seize busfuls of people, who, who who's there? Well, you, you know, <laughs> 160 different countries. But I think some of the most, uh, the most eye-opening ones are those that come from China. And right. In fact, this last month, over 140 Chinese nationals uh, in in the last month, last 30 days, have been apprehended. The majority of those, uh, when I took uh, uh, one of our groups to McAllen, it was 95% uh, Chinese males that were apprehended on that day, and uh, these are all military-age single males, and what we do? We give them a cell phone, we give them a court date, which they never come to, and then we send them off. And, you know, that's the real scary part. And that's part of what you're going to see, Jonathan, uh, on this, this tour is who's there, who's coming. Um, McAllen, Texas, the Rio Grande Valley seems to be the place where, uh, where the majority of the uh, Chinese population actually uh, cross there. I'm not sure why, but they do. And so you'll, you'll see all of that. And uh, it's, it's scary.
1: Yeah, and especially I read an article today that I never made the correlation. When you take China buying up land around U.S. military bases, coupled with all the Chinese military-age men coming, you, you, you can see a planned demolition of the country if they're able to have their way.
9: Yeah, You've seen it in other countries. You know, you take a look at the Bahamas even now, you know, in the amount of Chinese money. That uh, had had come into to the Bahamas from the rebuilding of the airport, to the the, the infrastructure with new uh, new roads and, and lighting and in Bahamar and in that resort, y- you you see that that they come in, they pour money in, they uh, they really they create this inside out um, uh, effect, and it really is damaging to our country, and when the FBI is saying, listen, we have a we we have a a very serious terrorist problem with networks. You better believe it. Because I'm not con- so concerned about the 7.2 million that have come across illegally, uh, that have been apprehended uh, by Border Patrol. Those people are running to Border Patrol. Right. I listen. I, I've been on I've been on the Rio Grande River, and I've seen the uh, cartel. Bringing them across the river, and, and only to have the cartel say in Spanish to us, "Call border patrol for a pickup." I mean that you know it's like make it easy on a like here, like it's Uber, it, like it's Uber. And so, those aren't the ones that I'm con, I'm as concerned about. It's the 1.8 million gotaways that really concern me. Those are the ones that have a felony You're record.
1: It's nine million, so
9: 7.2 and then 1.8 got Yeah and it's probably more than that but that's our our best you know, in C, uh, cbp's uh, best uh, estimate how demoralized is border patrol i I've going to tell you this is why this, this is another reason why we create operation border blessing uh is to keep uh border patrol emotionally and men- mentally healthy so we've created uh, the appreciation tour you know there are nine sectors uh, on the southern border, 21 Border Patrol sectors across the United States, 20,000 Border Patrol agents, nine, uh, nine of those sectors are on the southern border. Those are the ones that are just getting absolutely worn out. Yeah. And so what's happening? There's, there's no reward to your job. It's got to be like completely, it's hard work and it's pointless work. Well, and, and and to think that you're you're going to get yelled at, you're going to you're going to be uh, you're getting victimized undercut a more, by your superiors. It, well, you know, it's, it's, this really where you're getting undercut is from the White House. Yeah, you it, know, that's that that's that is really the the problem. Uh, but then you've got this narrative that the media brings out that these these men and women in green are are demonized yeah. and vilified, and so what we're finding is uh, one we've had the highest suicide rate uh, ever. In, uh, uh, in Border Patrol history. Um, oh, man,
1: that's brutal. So
9: that, that's number one. The second thing that we're seeing is that the, the early retirements are through the roof right now. And so it takes about $250,000 to fully train a Border Patrol agent, you know, to where they're able to go out in the desert on their own, make it happen. And we're just, we're not retaining them fast enough. And to make matters worse, this administration had put a hiring freeze on border patrol, you know, and so, you know, it's like adding insult to injury. Uh, we've got to take care of our border patrol agents. I can't tell you how many, how many wives have said to me uh, over the last five, six years that we've been doing this, that we we tell our children not to let their friends know what their dad does for a living. I have so many Border patrol agents who have come up to me and said I don't wear my uniform out of my house and I don't I don't do wear it change going directly in. after work they, they do they they, uh, they just want to keep it on the down low because of what this administration and what this media has done to these amazing people
2: hey I've got a question Th- does anybody show up for court I mean anybody yeah, it's like 92 uh,
9: percent don't you know, it's. I mean, I, I believe that's close to the statistic is about ninety-two percent don't.
2: So well, those know, judges are working two, three hours a day. Well,
9: there's well, nobody there. Well, here's the thing: even if even if we had all the judges, there's a backlog, five, six, seven, eight years. I mean, there's no way. Even if we doubled the amount of judges, it wouldn't matter. But but see, they're not they're not going to court because they they've all been coached by the uh, by the coyotes. That recruit them, the coyotes recruit them from their country of origin to Mexico. So Mexican cartels then are in. They're global now. Well, they are global, but they're working with the coyotes. So the cartel owns every piece of land on the the Mexican would be the southern southern Mexican southern border, northern border, and and so you have to pay a peso in order to come across as so the car the coyotes have to pay the cartel in order to bring those people across and I, I mean it's a it is a money-making machine that makes honestly that makes uh running drugs It's better than the drug trade well it is and see when you start and and, and you're you're finding in board patrol will tell you this that they find kids that have just been trafficked because see if you have a child the likelihood of you getting a get getting through, especially if that child can't uh, can't talk, they rent them out, then they send them back, and they rent them out again.
1: Yeah, you can keep making money off the same person with drugs. You can't do that one you time. Know, that's right.
2: I've got a couple of families that uh, rent from me, and um, so I asked him. I said, "How'd you get in here?" He said, "Well, we paid the cartel, and uh, one it was $10,500. Another guy was ten thousand five hundred. Another guy brought his wife and his kids. It was fifteen thousand, and they gave him one year to pay, or they would kill their family. That's it. On the other side.
1: Yeah, they don't do collection
9: calls.
2: You pay. Yeah, yeah. There's not a payment plan. No.
9: <laughs> you know. What yeah,
2: you pay, but uh, they're making a fortune.
9: Uh, they're making billions and billions and billions of dollars, and uh, you know. There,
2: there must be some kickbacks. To our government people no.
9: to allow that to our, happen. Our government officials would never
1: accept kickbacks. Oh. <laughs> they make 250000 a year and their net worth is 250000 a year. I don't know how they go from a $300,000 a year salary to $800 million net worth, but it's definitely not that way.
2: You know, as long as that's going on, I don't see how the digital currency laws will be passed i mean it that's a good not- point the
1: corruption works it, it's the same way they couldn't enforce the lockdowns during covid you know because all the money goes missing so you in, in that way government inefficiency works in your favor yeah they did a report that the cartels in all 50s did you hear the phone call that carrie lake reported of the guy from the republican party trying to get her to drop out no said name your she recorded it and released it name your price um She said, who wants me to drop out? He said, well, you've seen the report that the cartels in all 50 states. And he said, the guys from back east have asked me to ask you to name your price and to just pause your Senate campaign run for two years. So from the call, you basically realize that it's not it's not a Mexico thing. I mean, first of all, if you're getting Chinese nationals and Yemeni nationals to Mexico, then the cartels not just in Mexico. It's like 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 Escobar who was not as powerful as the Mexican cartels, was in, what, 90% of the world with cocaine distribution? So, if there's a report that they're in all 50 states, you have to wonder how co-opted the U.S. government already is, and why. I don't believe that that politicians are liars, and that they make all these promises and then go to Washington and don't keep them. I think they get to Washington and find out, hey, here's how things are really working. It's over, you know, almost like it's over, which I don't believe it's over, but why haven't we struck cartels? Why do we do drone strikes in Pakistan and just leave the borders open for fentanyl and, and all that? You can't tell me that it's not completely financially ingrained into the system. All right, and you brought us
2: something that was real interesting. A, a lot of these guys are coming in are Chinese, and it which, it, by the way,
1: if we go to war, are we allowed to use firearms or it's
2: just straight hand-to-hand combat? Go ahead. All right, they're coming. The Chinese are coming. Why are the Chinese coming? Is it for a future war? Is it for uh, they're hurting financially and want a better life? I mean, why are the Chinese? Why are the Syrians? Why are the Iranians? Why are these people coming?
9: Well, I think that's that's the question that's got to be asked and answered. Uh, The reality is, it doesn't take a lot of people. We found this in 9-11, what, 19 people? You know, brought a country to its knees right so it doesn't take a lot of people you take those 1.8 million godaways over the last 3 years if you just said even 1% that's 18,000 right i mean that's the amount of havoc that can be wreaked from the inside would tear ourselves i mean it's just i, I don't think What's we've the percentage? even
1: percentage we talked about godaways but isn't there like what's the number of known terrorists that they
9: know are in the country that, that came through the southern border? It's over 10,000. Oh yeah, right? it, 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 I don't know the exact amount, but its it'll blow your mind. I, I got a number of 80,000. Yeah. yeah.
2: Now, now here's the question. You got Ramadan coming March the 10th. The question is, is America, is Biden being blackmailed by the Iranians? If you don't stop the Israelis, are, we're going to turn our guys loose or are they waiting for ramadan i mean uh, the fbi is saying it could happen it's not it's not if it's when when is it
9: yeah it well it's not theoretical anymore and i think that's the scary part you know it's a new warfare. warfare it's a new warfare china is trying to
1: conquer america over 50 years without ever firing a shot that's the plan it's not like iran and yemen where you want to blow stuff up and all that it's 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 uh like they've done in Africa. You infiltrate top university students, then the professors. Now you have a Chinese national on the election committee in San Francisco that's not even a, a citizen. A citizen, You right. conquer. A, it's a plan to conquer a country without ever doing any combat.
2: Well, nations are changed through invasions. I mean, it's, it's, the, the, it's the invasion of, of uh, Alexander the Great. It's the invasion of the Persian army. America now is being invaded. And so every time there's an invasion, you don't go back, it changes history. And this is where we are right now, in an invasion.
9: Yeah, Listen, it's it's uh, it, this hasn't been a day, week, or month. I mean, this has been years and decades. Long time. That, Republicans that, were doing it in the early 2000s. They were all for it. And, and listen, the problem isn't a, a, a one-side-of-the-aisle problem. It's both sides of the aisle. No,
1: the Republicans are, I mean, we talked about with our former guest, Trump's first term, you had a Republican majority Senate and majority house, and they yep. couldn't give him eight freaking billion dollars to do the wall, while we're shipping two fifty at a shot
9: yep. to, to Ukraine. They 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 cut his legs out from under him every chance they got. We missed our moment in two thousand eighteen. I mean, we could have done some serious uh, uh, immigration reform, but we missed it. And one of the reasons why we miss it is the, <clears throat> the Republicans. Uh, benefit as much off of immigration. It's what they platform on. That's right. right? Versus the Democrats and in, in how they benefit from it. So, no one it, wants it to stop. No one wants it to stop.
2: Well, it's happening now in the Caribbean. Have you seen that? They're putting all kind of money, and they're saying they're opening up another border, where they'll begin to come from the Bahamas, from all the Caribbean islands.
9: Leave it.
1: Yeah, I mean, and and I read I read an article today they're saying that 7.2 million people that don't care about the second amendment that you know it you can just change the country from the inside out because if the the supreme court does not buck popular opinion so yeah it's not going to happen this year or next year but eventually you'll have a populace that doesn't want gun rights they don't they don't want american freedoms they want communism because you've exported them from the outside so i like what you're you're doing and your you're the national faith advisory board where to see it, the only way you're going to make a change, number one, you can make a change with securing the border. The border is not unsecurable. But while this is happening, rather than just moan about it, you can make it backfire by getting people saved. Because when people genuinely get born again, they won't be communists. It's why, it's why Billy Graham's crusades were CIA-backed. They realized back then the best way to fight communism, if people believe in God, they're not going to become communists. So if there's a revival... That solves all those problems from the inside out. And if there's not a revival, we just started a a, a new campus church at the University of Pittsburgh. We had 150 students for our first church service, and 50 exactly—and it sounds like I'm just rounding up, but it was exactly 150—and 50 students came to receive Jesus Christ, 38 Chinese nationals.
2: You You know, that's amazing because the church, wherever the church is, there's freedom. And the voice of freedom starts with the gospel. That's right. And so they come, they hear the gospel, and this is why preachers are cowards. They won't stand up for freedom. Or anything. Yeah, but.
1: but yeah, what, uh, somebody that cancels their Sunday service for half an inch of snow probably is not going to fight against government tyranny.
2: Well, praise God. So. This so. is a time that we need to be as bold as a lion. Man, you're doing a great job.
9: Uh, I appreciate that, but listen, we're all in it together. You it's know, a very it's, diplomatic thing to say. Yeah, well, but we are. You know, yeah, the, but you're doing the most. <laughs> no, no. I'd say you guys are doing the most, and, and I'm just trying to keep, keep up with you.
1: You know, that's not true. <laughs> that I've been is, to the border zero times, except I was in El Paso but just to get uh, Mexican food. I didn't <laughs> help
9: anybody except myself. Uh, you know what? We all have our we all have our limitations. Thanks for
1: um, including me in that trip. I just got the invite. When was it two weeks ago? Last week, actually. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Thanks
9: for yeah.
1: m- making me a part of it. I and I, involving me in all that you're doing. I really
9: appreciate that.
2: Yeah. He told me though you had to stop at a Mexican restaurant somewhere. Down there.
1: I
9: can do that myself. <laughs> yeah. We. Uh, I, I get a feeling we'll have some Mexican food over there. But uh...
1: tell me. Let's talk. Um, I know you're not in Trump's campaign by any means, but the nature of your work you 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 have close ties to what's going on with the election this year. How's your feeling about now? We're on YouTube, so we have to say everything under the guise that all elections are fair and square. But other than that, what's your feel um,
9: for for the 2024 election being close to the Trump campaign? In yeah, my disclaimer, would be the National Faith Advisory Board is, is a 501c3, so we uh, we endorse policies, not uh, not, not candidates. Candidate. Same yep. here. Um, but with that said, those that uh, the the two main candidates that really either espouse or push back on the policies that we believe uh, are the religious liberty policies, the life policies, the policies on Israel, uh, the uh, SOGI policies, the family marriage policies that really make uh, you know America what it is and in the Christian community what it is. Uh, we believe that uh, we're looking pretty good come, uh, the, come on the 24th election. Be good. I,
2: I think I'm... I'm what, about, what about this thing down in Georgia? If that thing goes through, they, they probably want to uh, uh, put him in jail.
9: I think everyone wants to put him in jail. Um, but, uh, you know, my feeling is, is that God is protecting that man. I really believe that uh for what purpose history will reveal that um but you know i believe that whenever someone has a major attack on them you have to a- ask yourself why you know why is it in 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 the timing of all these all within you know like four weeks of each other you know is that is that by coincidence or was that planned and by design and i think anyone who has at least half a brain would say that it was planned and by design and so yes why, why is that what's what's the purpose behind that and it's to get a man out of the lane so that he can't be a candidate you know it's you know there's a lot of money being poured into you know the the republican primary right now you know in in there's a lot of money that that uh, Nikki's uh, getting and and uh, there's uh, there's just there's just a lot of money being poured into keeping him keeping Trump out. And so you have to ask yourself why is that? You know. Well, yeah. oh, I, I, we both know the answer to that.
1: Because he's going to ruin 25 years of planning or 35 years of planning in 4 years. It's going to get bulldozed. That's why that both sides of the aisle have worked to, to, to destroy America, worked actively. You know, everything starts making sense when you quit treating it as these people are incompetent. To, when you start seeing it through the lens of this is a planned takedown of America, one, one um, college professor that I interviewed a while back, he said they side with China because it takes the church out of it. And this case, not a wasn't a Christian. He said they hate the Judeo-Christian foundation of America— so they, they want to reshape it in their image and get rid, of, get rid of any trace of that. When you see it that way, everything makes sense. It's not a border crisis. It's a planned open invasion.
2: Well, what amazes me is so many churches and preachers are afraid to openly pray for Donald Trump. And they'll pray for, they'll pray for Biden. They'll pray for uh, whoever's in office but they won't pray for for Donald Trump. And the Lord spoke to me, get up and begin to pray and pray for all these people. Listen, I'm friends with some of our mayors that they're the most liberal people in the world, but they'll call me and ask me to pray for them. And, and why won't you pray for Donald Trump? I pray for all of them I, and praise God.
9: Well, one of the things I, I appreciate, Jonathan, about your ministry is that you aren't afraid to say what needs to be said. Okay. And it's it, Some people are too dumb to be afraid. But whatever the case may be on it's that. It's like a poodle attacking a bear. Oh. But but here's the thing. Well here's the if thing. One, one person you're you're has screwed to stand either way. Up. Like the people that stay
1: quiet, it's not like it's not like and you, you know, it's not like Mussolini let some people skate because they, they kept their mouths shut. You're going down either way. So do you wanna go down swinging or not? Now I'm saying you're going down either way if, if the other group comes in. So why not speak? People are, you know, these pastors, you can understand if it's somebody with 8,000 people in their church, which even they should speak up. But these guys that won't speak up we're afraid we'll lose people. You already don't have any people. You have 48 people on Sunday morning. Who are you afraid to lose? When really you would attract people if if you would quit watching TV and understand that there's a massive portion of Americans that are looking for a leader that'll take a stand, yeah, you'll lose some people, but you'll also have Ain't a, a lot of people, a bunch of people that'll come out of the woodworks that are truckers, veterans, on down the line, black truckers. Black veterans, Hispanic, you think all Hispanic people will lose our Hispanic people. How stupid are you? How shaped is your mind by TV that you think all Hispanic people are pro-Biden and all black people are pro-Trump? You, you watch too much or, or pro-Biden. You you watch too much TV. You know, my wife's Puerto Rican, full-blooded Puerto Rican. Her whole family went, went to the Trump rally. They they can't stand Biden. People are individuals. People are. are I told you the, the stats on the black voters. Fifty four percent of black voters as of yesterday on Pew Research said that they feel Trump will do a better job than Biden at the border and the border is their main concern. Seventy four percent were for Trump on other policies. You know, you don't even know what America is. America, people like freedom. People want a leader that speaks out. They don't even care whether he's right or not. Look at Stephen A. Smith. He's got the number one sports show. The guy doesn't nail any predictions. He's wrong on like 9 out of 10 predictions, but he's passionate. Quit quit being in the middle. That's where you lose. Either go full liberal with 2K95 masks on and whatever else at your church and a rainbow flag. Or if you're going to be a believer, this is it. You, you can survive 9, billion, 9 million people coming through the border. You cannot survive that for four more years. So take your stand. Or find another job. If you want to fly under the radar, you going into the ministry, flying under the radar is out the window. You're a public figure. Embrace what God made you and speak.
2: There's only two things in the middle of the road, a dead chicken and a yellow streak. So you've got to take a stand. Take a stand. you got to take a stand. And, you know, Jesus, Jesus, he focused his attention. He, when, when he was asked to go... I pray for someone else. He said, "God has called me to the house of Israel, and so God has called us to preach the gospel. But we have to stand up, and we have to make a statement of truth. This is not a popularity contest. Uh, we're not going to be judged by how popular we are. Uh, we're going to be judged by speaking the truth,
9: and that—that's what it's all about. Speaking the truth, speak the truth in love, but speak the truth. You know, and stand for freedom."
1: You know, this election year, and I know, I know, I'm sorry to sit here and have just two preachers yell at you, but uh, I, I, I get irritated in, in election years having to listen to people. How do we know whether Biden wins or Trump wins? God's still on the throne. God's still on the throne in Syria. God's still on the throne in Yemen. If you lose the freedom to preach the gospel, your country is finished. So it's not, it, is a, it is such a cop-out, spineless position to say like that one preacher said that I, I put on Twitter, the church shouldn't lean left. The church shouldn't lean right. The church should stand. That's a bold way to make a cowardly statement. You, you, you are to stand for justice. You're to stand for the free propagation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're to stand for the principles of capitalism that allow giving to missions. If you take some cop out. You know, let me know whether Biden wins or we, Jesus is, if I have to see one Jesus 2024 t-shirt this year, I, I'm telling you, I'm going to kick somebody in the ribs. And
9: if you're watching on YouTube, uh, that's hyperbole. Um, now here's, here's to me, this is the crux of it. In Isaiah 38, you know, the story of Hezekiah, he, uh, uh he, the prophet comes in and says, listen, you got fifth, get your house in order. You're going to die, right? Zero bedside manners on this. Hezekiah cries out to God. God says, all right, give the boy 15 more years. That's chapter 38. Had, had it ended at chapter 38, it would have been an amazing story. But then chapter 39 comes, and the boys of Babylon come, and, and, and uh, Hezekiah opens up his uh, all the treasuries, and, and then the prophet comes into him and, and says, and I, Isaiah says, well, what they, what they want? He says, I showed him everything. And then Isaiah says to him, because you did that, here's what's going to happen to you. Your children are going to be sold into slavery. Your grandchildren are going to become eunuchs. Now, if that had happened to any one of us, we would have said, listen, don't give me my 15 years. Keep my lineage good and healthy. I'll die now. But this is what Hezekiah said. And I believe Hezekiah is representative of the pastors of today. This is what Hezekiah says. He says, the word that the Lord, this is verse 9. The word that the Lord has spoken is good. You've just been told that your children are going to be sold into slavery and your grandchildren are going to be eunuchs. And you say, the word that the Lord has spoken is good. The rest of the verse goes on to say this. For Hezekiah thought to himself, for at least I will have peace in my lifetime. And that's the problem with the American pastor today. Is they want to have peace in their lifetime. Forget about... My four, grand, my, my four children or my ten grandchildren, it's, as long as it's going to be okay today, and we're selling our, our children and our grandchildren on the altar of, of security and peace right now within the pulpit. Just don't want to upset the, uh, the, the apple cart, and that's the problem.
1: That's, that's a, well, well said. Good now, where, where did you go to seminary? I, was, I went to Liberty. Liberty University. Mm-hmm. Baptist. Mm-hmm. how did you end up an outspoken uh, political guy, and then how did you end up
9: hooked up with Paula White Cain? That's an interesting road. <laughs> so is. you, you get is. out of Liberty, and then what? Yeah. So, in, and I should say, my thesis at Liberty was why speaking in tongues is not scriptural for today. Right. So we'll just sort of lay that out there as well. So I've changed my theological views on uh, on. No, that's on what things. I mean.
1: I know, I know your yeah. background,
9: so that's you've had quite a journey, so I'm yeah. interested to hear it. So. Uh, Pastor Paul and I were actually ministering, pastoring in the same town. I went through a real desert experience in my life. And uh, I was church revitalizer of the year, yada, 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 all, all the stuff that makes you puke, right? Uh, Southern Baptists, baptisms, you know, we don't care. We don't care about salvations. We just how many baptisms you have, you know. And, and I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. You know, le- you know le- all, that, all that stuff. That means nothing now. But I went through a real desert experience. Actually, got a divorce. Now, in the Baptist world, uh, you that, That's that's leper. That is the modern day leprosy uh, for a Southern Baptist or a Baptist pastor. And uh, all my buds, no one would reach out to me. I just I, I was on the island. I, it was my cave of Abdulam spe- uh, experience. Except one one woman, by the name of Paula. I didn't know anything about Paula White. The only thing I knew is what I read in. Uh, Uh, On the internet and you know two things it's not real flattering number one and number two It's not real true, but you don't know what you don't know and that's all I knew sure and so She asked to meet with me asked if I'd come to church and I hemmed and hawed But I finally went thought I'd sit on the back 40, you know punch in punch out and uh, They sat me on the front row She sees me. I've never met. I've never met this woman in my life she sees me in my moment of deepest hurt and pain. She comes off of the pulpit, comes right to me, gives me a hug, and literally says to me, verbatim, Pastor Todd, I love you, and I've been praying for you every day. That was literally our hello. Then she asked if we could meet in the green room afterwards. We And did. she means it. Oh, she, I mean. Both things, love you and praying for you every day. She does. And. So she said, can we meet in the green room afterwards? We did. We exchanged stories. And then she says to me, this is the first time, Bob, that I've ever met her. (laughs) She says to me, I bet you need a job. I said, well, I I did resign my church. And uh, and she didn't know this, but I was literally digging ditches. And uh, she said, um, I said, but ministry is not where I'm at right now. And uh, she said, I respect that. She says, can I hire you as a consultant? I thought, well. I've never yeah i guess we could do that and then she pays me a consulting fee that i only need a client base of one now did she need me to consult her on anything absolutely not so you got this southern baptist guy who's going through his debtors experience and you got this charismatic tongue speaking divorced female pastor which by the way in baptist world is the trifecta of elimination right you know, and, and and so what she did, she, Jonathan, she just she just loved on me, allowed me to heal, and then over time she, you know, she asked if I would uh, oversee her ministries, and then uh, if I take over her the global outreach for Paula White Ministries, and then when the president uh, President Trump won, uh, she asked if I would go represent her in, in Washington and, and work with her in the White House, and that's been our that's been our journey. It's been nine years.
1: Oh, th- all that
9: in nine years that, nine that's years. actually pretty quick yeah nine years we've uh, we've been together
1: well I'm, I'm glad I got to meet you you're one of the you know you don't meet a lot of genuinely kind pe- people in the ministry or people that aren't just like opportunists or whatever as you know so I I, I appreciate getting to meet you and your Likewise. kindness to me thank and, you and I'm glad I got to spend uh,
9: next week with you down in El Paso Juarez let's see how fast you can run across the uh, the, the border see ya we're staying on the. US side. <laughs> yes we are. all right yeah, because yeah. if we weren't, I would dress differently. <laughs> yeah US. side buddy. You're thanks good. for coming. Hey, thanks so much. God bless you guys.
1: All right, there we go. Uh, let's let's do it. I wanted to play this for Pastor Bob. Um, this is see you brother. This is um, Kevin O'Leary that many of you will know from Shark Tank. This is him on Fox Business. Talking about the financial ruling against Trump. Can we roll that?
0: Wouldn't there be many companies who would not want to do business or loan money to people like yourself or investors? Do you have Fox Business or
1: only CNN? Only CNN? CNN. CNN. All right, play the CNN one. So, by the way, bring it back to me real quick. So, what happened is Kevin O'Leary went on Fox Business and told how New York's a loser state, no one's going to invest in it. So then, this lady had him on CNN to like set him straight, but she's in over her head. Kevin O'Leary is a, a genius, so go ahead, roll it.
0: Fraud and there's no recourse to protect them.
10: Excuse me, what fraud? I don't. I, this is not about Trump anymore. When you get a developer, when you get a developer that builds a building and he says it's worth four hundred million dollars and he wants to borrow two hundred million from a bank, which happens every day, everywhere on Earth, including every American city. Every developer is an entrepreneur. They shine the light on their building and they say it's worth 400. The bank does its own due diligence, as was done in this case, because they're very good at it. The banks are very good. And they say, no, it's worth 300. We're only going to loan you 150 million. That haggling has gone on for decades. That's how it works. And then in this case, even the bank that was supposedly defrauded, testified and said, we didn't lose anything. We want to do business with this guy again. We'd like to, but the judge said, no, 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 no. Let's penalize this developer for $355 million, And we're going to do that. Let's penalize all the developers all across America. They've all done the same thing. All of them should go to jail and we should stop building buildings that's what the message is from new york even the governor herself is concerned about what this looks like to investors all around the world it's not just u.s domestic all around the world people are talking about what happened here you really think people want to invest money in new york after this
0: how about we go somewhere else i think there are people who would i don't want to cut you off but i i want to Converse well, with you, you and you said, just did. I, it's only because I want you know, to have a conversation, a, you know what? Kevin, I as opposed you be, to just, you know, having I respect you it tell because me. you're
10: a lawyer. You're a lawyer. You understand well, exactly what I'm talking about.
0: I got to tell you, I'm, I'm respectable for a number of reasons, Kevin O'Leary, but being a lawyer is one of those issues. But I'll tell you, when I, when I hear your conversation and I do want to converse with you about this point, I understand that there are legitimate concerns that were raised during the trial and will continue to be raised about who the quote-unquote, who What? is actually bringing the suit? It wasn't the banks who were saying that we as consumers are unsophisticated, feel this way, but Letitia James, the attorney general, and I know you want to expand beyond Trump, has suggested, well, it's about making the playing field level for those who are not the major and billionaire investors, but for those who are supposed to put business records out there, want to get a loan, the idea of making sure that they have to have the same true statements included As those who have a lot more money is there any weight to that for you
10: well I ask you who lost money and I make it even clearer you and I we're developing a data center together and I say to you we can go to New York where this just happened it's your money now you're now an investor and you're taking risk you're an entrepreneur with me right beside me we're together on the deal or I can show you Oklahoma, North Dakota, West Virginia, where the governors actually ran businesses, let's go there where this never happened before. They have power, they have permits, they've got legislation that's supportive of entrepreneurship, why would we go to New York? Why take the risk? My only point is, did we just diminish the great state of New York and the great people of New York? And shouldn't they ask for better management so they don't become a flyover state? Remember, New York has the highest taxes in the country, the worst regulatory environment, and it's incredibly mismanaged. And I'm pointing out now, on top of that, you get this insanity, a a victimless crime. And forget about Trump. It's not about Trump. I don't Mm -hmm. care about Trump in this. I care about America, and I care about entrepreneurship, and I care about democracy and the fairness The judicial system is now being criticized. People are asking themselves, the bar of New York, is this judge rational to charge $355 million in a case where no one lost any money? Is that good for the people of New York? Should the people of New York wake up to this and say, what's happening to us? Why is this becoming so perverse? Why are we the focus of this injustice? And I have nothing to do with Trump. I'm not supporting Trump. I'm supporting American entrepreneurship. And New York is slowly becoming the number one loser state in America. I'm sorry. That's what's happening.
1: OK, so that was him on CNN when that lady did her best to set him straight and failed miserably. This was the original on Fox Business. Roll it.
10: Um, I mean, just leaving the whole Trump thing out of it and and seeing what occurred here. And and I'm I'm no different than any other investor. I'm shocked at this. I I can't even understand or fathom uh, the the decision at all. There's no rationale for it. And so let me give you a real time uh, experience I'm having regarding this. And I'm not the only one. It doesn't matter what the governor says. New York was already a loser state. Like, California is a loser state. There are many loser states because of policy, high taxes, uncompetitive regulation. It was already on the top of the list of being a loser state. I would never invest in New York now. And I'm not the only person saying that. And here's a real-time situation. In development in real estate right now, the hottest asset class is very high-end data centers. They cost anywhere from two and a half to three and a half billion each. They're very expensive, they require low power, you need permits, but most of the major institutions in the world need more data centers and that's why developers like me are doing this. Now, you need power. So New York has Niagara Falls. Normally you'd consider that to put in one of these facilities, create 400 jobs, five more jobs for each of one of those, for auxiliary services. I can't go to New York. So I'm going to Oklahoma, North Dakota, West Virginia. Governor Stitt, Kevin Stitt. My staff have met with him. Governor Bergen, the same thing. Governor Justice. Those are winner states. They don't do things like this. I have to syndicate that debt and all that equity. We're talking billions of dollars here. Do you think any foreign institution or any private equity firm or any pension fund would touch New York? No. And that's why New Yorkers should be concerned. The fine people of New York should ask themselves, why are we such a loser state? How are we going to attract business? It's not just the existing businesses that are fleeing out to Texas and Florida. What about new money like this that I'm talking about, like a $4 billion data center? Not a chance I would put that in New York. Zero probability. Never. And so they've got a lot of work to do to find themselves getting out of this situation. This has all occurred post-pandemic. Winner states versus loser states. Look at Tennessee right now, fastest growing city in America, Nashville. Winner state, good policy, competitive taxes. You've got to start thinking about this in the context of winners and losers. New York, mega loser state.
9: So, Kevin, what did you think of Governor Hochul saying this is like a unique one and done because Donald Trump went too far and was so nefarious. Uh, You guys, if you're just doing what you should be doing, you have nothing to worry about, but they're very worried about it.
10: Yeah, we're very worried. Every investor's worried because where is the victim? Who lost money? This is some arbitrary decision a judge made. This policy and what this says, what does this say about the bar, the legal bar? In New York, aren't they going to question this judge? What is this? Three hundred and fifty-five million dollars, and there's dollars as a as a penalty, and there's plus interest at nine percent, and there's no victim. I mean. I'm sorry. Her her words fall on deaf ears to everybody. There's nothing she can say to justify this decision. And this has nothing to do with Trump. Nothing to do with Trump. Forget about Trump. This is not a Trump situation. This is a New York problem now. The whole world is looking at this saying, what are you doing to yourselves?
4: Well put. Kevin, always good chatting with you, Kevin O'Leary. And that's
1: the great thing. I mean, to bring it all full circle, talking with uh, Chris Ann. There being 50 states, New York can make that policy, but then we go, you can go to West Virginia, North Dakota. I like how you brought up Governor Stitt in Oklahoma, who's spirit-filled. He had uh, Kenneth Hagan Jr. and Craig Hagan come and anoint the whole governor's mansion with oil, and, and now the blessings flow in there, so it's good. Pastor Bob, I want to thank you for, when we talked on the phone last week, being willing to set all this up
2: on like five days' notice. Well, I want to thank you. Uh, you know, the Bible says the um, the righteous are as bold as a lion. And I think uh, you get up and you growl. And you growl and you speak the truth that people are afraid to. And I think people around the country admire and appreciate what you're doing. I know I'm one of those and I'm we're one of your big fans. Of what you're doing. Tell them what's happening tonight. I think if you live in this area, you'd want to be a part of this. You know, for me... I don't feel like I'm bold. I don't
1: like people that you have to wonder what they're talking about or what they mean. Did he want to come to dinner? What? You know, just say what you mean. And then if people don't like it, people get offended anyway, even if you're, you're, like, nice and quiet. I just, I, you know what I heard Lester Summerall say one time? And I never forgot, I heard him say it when I was 21. God told him when he came back from the Philippines, the American people are thick-headed. So speak plain and strong when I heard him said i I felt the anointing on it, and I thought that 's true. I mean, if you hire employees they won 't do what you tell them when you tell them exactly what to do, so you can't you can 't be cloudy with your language you, know, you can 't say some of us aren 't living like we should. You, you know God told specific sins, tell people you don 't want people to go to hell because' like oh that's that's what he that 's what you meant so I, anyway, I just i don 't like people. I don't mind people that disagree with me, like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. You know, we're completely different politically. She doesn't bother me. She's a liberal, and she says she's a liberal. I got problems with people that won't pick a side. You know what I mean? And I don't like that in the ministry. I've never liked it in the ministry. Uh, You're like that too, so maybe, maybe you are around the same kind of people as a preacher's kid where it's like, take a stand. You, you don't have anything to lose in taking a stand. You have things to lose in not taking a stand. But I, I feel like people are waking up, not ministers necessarily, but I feel like the American people, and they're looking for somebody to rally behind. So I'm, I'm happy.
0: Thank you for sharing the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. If you're interested in supporting our mission to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, please visit RevivalToday.com and click on Give Now to become one of our monthly partners. Thank you in advance. We hope to see you soon.